When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show podcast. Tonight, we're joined with three legends in the Destiny community who do some pretty amazing things. First, we have the founder of the Massive Breakdowns podcast, one of the longest-running podcasts in the Destiny community, breaking down all things Destiny weapons, strategies, and news for 228 episodes and counting. He is Mercules904, who is also the former gameplay specialist at Bungie, former contributor at Planet Destiny and Destiny Tracker and PC Gamer. He is also a huge Destiny fan, and we're excited to welcome him on the show but wait, there is more. We also welcome another legend in the Destiny community. He is a content creator, member of Clan Redeem, two times movie of the week winner, Destiny community badass, pro Destiny player since Destiny 1. He is the awesome Destiny 1 Alpha Vet. Thank you so, so much for joining us, my friend. Glad to be here. Thank you. Man, these sound like ring entrances. You guys like ready to rumble or something? I'm ready to rumble. I'm ready to rumble. But wait, there's more. We also have a returning badass. He is a former guest on the show early on in our journey back in April of 2019. And he is an awesome, awesome content creator in the world of Twitter and Destiny. And he is a social media badass over at destiny tracker he is the awesome protheon thank you so much protheon for joining us oh, i'm glad to be here i'm also down to fight vet whenever he's down to fight me oh we're gonna fight we're gonna have a battle tonight and and mercules thank you so so much it's such an honor to have you on and uh thank you for all the work that you do in our community as a fellow podcaster it's really an honor to have you on the show so thank you for joining us yeah, man, I was happy to get the invite, and uh, that's the second time I've heard that introduction. I liked it just as much the second time. It's gonna be pretty hard to actually live up to that. But we were doing the re- we were doing the repeater, you know, the super troopers. We're yeah. doing the repeater. I love that. <laughs> so tonight we're going to celebrate seven years of Destiny with our 
friends in the Destiny community. We're going to dive in for our discussion with the Guardians. So I hope you all are ready. Let's do it. All right. So the first question we have is, how did you all get started with playing Destiny? Such a good question. All right, I'll answer it. Since I was the first, uh, I will say... Yes, it is true. I was the very first person to ever play the D1 closed alpha. It doesn't matter what any Bungie employee says. Uh, it's true because my good friend Tom uh, said so on Twitter. And I remember it just like it was seven years ago. And it wasn't that long ago, just seven years. I remember logging in to my email and getting an email from Bungie themselves. Personally, I received one from Bungie, and it was a closed alpha invite. I remember. I remember the unique code. I remember it exactly to the letter, and it was the greatest moment of my life. Honestly, I don't think anyone could compare this feeling unless you've had a firstborn child. That is the only way you can compare this feeling. It's like having your firstborn child. Do you have that incredible. code tattooed on you anywhere by any chance? I listen, the only person that can see those uh these these intimate tattoos is uh my significant other. So I, I can't ah. reveal that information. Gotcha. Very but well. But well, mine's that, not as exciting. Mine's not as as uh exciting as that. But uh I uh I was just a big Halo fan. Uh Halo Reach was the the Halo that really like drew me into the rest of the other Bungie games. I mean I played Halo 3, Halo 2, but Halo Reach really stuck with me. And uh I saw Bungie was making uh, another type of game. And as simple as that, I was like, oh, I'll try it out. And that was it from there. Nice. It seems yeah. like a lot of our stories like started like that because you know we we played Halo, you know. It's like I mine started too. Is I played Halo it was one of the first video games I got into and played Halo Three obsessively. Played Halo Reach obsessively. So when they said they were making another game and they sold Halo and Halo Four, kind of was not really what I was looking for. It made it pretty easy. Uh, I mean, I was Xbox. I wasn't lucky enough to be in the the D One Alpha like some some privileged people here, but. Uh, from the beta on, I've been playing it, and very rarely a week goes by that I don't spend a pretty significant amount of hours playing Destiny. So, it's all right, yeah. man. We can't always be winners. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard, man. It's hard knowing that there are people out there who are just better. Yeah, yeah, it is tough. And and Mercules, I'm um, I'm really curious. How did the massive breakdown podcast get started? Um, I was making list of. Um, I was making a list of guns with like TTK and perks and stuff uh, actually for myself because I was tired of like having to bounce back and forth between a hundred different websites. And I wanted to kind of uh, collect all that information in one place for my own use so that I could know what to target farm. And I figured I might as well share this stuff on Reddit because if I'm finding it useful, I'm sure someone else finds it useful too. And I put the words massive breakdown at the beginning because my first post was like, 40,000 something, you know, 40,000 characters long, like pages and pages and pages. So I put massive breakdown in front of it because 
it was literally a massive breakdown and I wanted people to know that coming into it. And, uh, I was doing that and Kutch was doing, I think gunsmith weapon breakdowns every single week. He would post uh, a breakdown of the gunsmith weapons that were coming out. And someone literally commented like, Hey, you guys should do a podcast. And I was like, huh? I don't know. So I asked Kutch, I was like, are you trying to do a podcast? And he was like, yeah, let's give it a shot. And then six years has gone by and 228 episodes and we're still doing it. So. And what were some of the highlights of doing your podcast for that long? Um, I mean, obviously the biggest highlight, like just recently happened, we had Chris Proctor from Bungie on, uh, and we did like a crazy three hour marathon episode where we talked about just everything for the season 15 sandbox. And we talked about just a bunch of questions that we had that he answered. And that was really, really incredibly cool. Um, I mean, hitting 100 episodes was something we never actually thought was going to happen. And then hitting 200 episodes was something we never thought was going to happen even at 100 episodes. And so we've done that. And, you know, we've got uh, a Discord now that has a 1,000 people in it, a bunch of Destiny scientists and stuff. I mean, really just the community that's grown up around it. It's like completely taken on a life of its own and a mind of its own. And it produces so much good content outside of the stuff that I do that I'm just really, really proud of uh, of all the people who are in the community and what the community has become outside of just the show. Yeah, that's that's really awesome how you all have grown in the community and you get a chance to do this each week. I think that's one of the coolest things to be able to enjoy a game but also podcast about it and I've I've really enjoyed the experience very much myself. Yeah, you guys are at 84 episodes. I mean, that's pretty impressive. You'll be at 100 before you know it and and the sky's the limit. Because, you know, the the challenge for me is you always have to, at the very least, be as good as you were the last episode, right? So maintaining that level of quality is always um, a challenge as a podcaster, I think. I mean, it took us like 200 episodes to even figure out how to work microphones. (laughs) Like, legitimately, I'm not even kidding. Uh, We had an audio engineer finally reach out to us, like somewhere around episode 200, and be like, dude your audio sucks ass. Like you really need to, to fix this. And we were like, Oh really? Is it that bad? And I, I don't actually listen to the episodes that much. Like I record them and I edit them, but I don't actually listen to them when they go live. And I like listened to an episode while I was at the gym and I was like, Oh my God, this is not great. So we worked with the audio engineer and uh, we got some new mics and we got our quality up. So, you know, never fret your audio quality is better than ours right now. And it took us 190 episodes to even get to a point where we were like passable. I tell people, like, do not go back and listen to our old episodes. They're abysmal. I don't know how anyone could sit through them. Um, me and Shadow Price, we have, like, I would say at least 50 episodes locked behind a vault that nobody will ever listen to nope. because it was so bad. <laughs> Talk about using Skype on a phone. That's, that's how bad it was. And not, not like a really good phone, but, like, like, I'm talking like a $50 Android phone. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah my weird. first, my first microphone was a Rosetta Stone headset, like the headset that you use to like learn another language on your computer, <laughs> like for people who didn't have microphones. And that was way back in the day when I was still working for Planet Destiny. And the guy at Planet Destiny was like, I'm going to buy you a mic because your sound quality is so bad. And so he sent me over one, but I like never learned how to set it up or anything. I just like got it working to where I could record audio. Like I didn't even know that you had to turn the mic to face a certain direction to like talk into it. So there was a long period of time where I moved and moved the position of the mic on my new desk and just like was talking into it like normal and then realized I was talking into the complete wrong part of the mic. 
and my sound quality was just abysmal for 20 something episodes before someone told me what is your favorite season in destiny 2 you've had quite a few seasons now what do you all think mercules do you want to kick things off Ooh, my favorite season it's actually kind of hard because i'm really really enjoying season of the lost right now but i feel like that's kind of i can't say that that's my favorite because it's so early on, but I'm really enjoying it. This is like the most weapons that I have wanted to farm in a very long time. I really like the Shattered Realm, the activity. I love the narrative that we've got going on. I think the PvP sandbox is in one of the best places that it's ever been. I'm looking forward to the trials uh, changes that are coming out tomorrow. So I know it's super, super early on and that's cheating, but I really like this season a lot. If I had to pick one that wasn't this season, Ooh, that's much harder. Um, what was the season of opulence? The one with the menagerie in it was yeah. really, really strong, really strong. And I felt like for a long time, every season was trying to get back to that level. And I feel like just this year, uh, they've kind of gotten back to the point where it's like, okay, these I'm looking forward to every season that's coming out now. Yeah, no, dude, I'm totally with you. I think for me, Season of Opulence was probably one of my favorite seasons because I, I think for me, that was a time when I really got to really dig into all of the endgame content. Like I really got the Shadow title. I thought that was really badass to get in the game. And I felt like getting those seals really felt like an accomplishment, um, especially during that season when the menageries were so challenging, but also it felt like got a lot of endgame content that season. Not only did we get a raid, we got menageries that felt very different from week to week, and it gave us quite a bit of variety and spice in the game. So, Vet, what do you think? What was your favorite season in Destiny? I don't want to throw any shade at, at uh, Mercules, uh, but I'm pretty sure you know, he was asking what, uh, you know, in terms of climate, uh, mine's was summer. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if that's what you were asking, unless you were talking about something else. Uh, seasons in Destiny, my friend, but thank you for sharing that oh, summer. Okay, okay, all right, all right. My apologies, Mercury. I, I would think, I would think it would be winter. No, 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 no I hate the cold. Really? Uh, no, where are you man. from? Uh, out of curiosity. I, I don't think, I don't think my agents want me to talk about that. He's from okay. the Cosmodrome, right? From the Cosmodrome, from the tower. <laughs> but my favorite season, it's, it's a tough one uh, because I think it's, the game is always evolving. The content's getting meatier. I think the narrative is also getting really strong. One of my favorites in the Destiny 2 era is Season of Arrivals simply because that was one of the first seasons where we finally felt like there was an emerging uh danger looming darkness we actually felt like there was something that we were fighting you know instead of the last you know five years prior to that we didn't really know what we were fighting what we were up against so having those planets be invaded uh consumed by the darkness i felt that finally gave destiny a little bit of something that we've been needing for quite a long while even though it was uh, a prolonged season it was uh, a make or break, you know? It, it was make or break. Uh, 
you know, and it was either going to be the end of the franchise as we know it, or it was going to be the greatest season of all time. Um, so I'd go with season of arrivals, but I'm willing to bet. I'm not a Ben man, but I'm willing to bet money that the next season is going to be the greatest season of all time. Mm-hmm. Bold words. Yeah, didn't even write it in bold, but I will write it in bold for you. I love that. Thank you. And Protheon, it's been a minute. I think the last time we had you on the show, there wasn't even a thing called Seasons in Destiny. We had the expansion that, pass. That's right? when it actually was just when they converted it. They originally called it Joker's Wild. And then yep. that's when it started was Season of the Drifter. That's when Seasons started getting their named, I getting named that. that way. I remember um, that. What are your thoughts? What's, what's your favorite? Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. It's kind of tough to say in certain aspects. Like this year, for example, I really like Season of the Chosen. Uh, I know PvP was in a terrible spot during Season of the Chosen, um, but I really like that's when like we saw that switch in storytelling. And um, I've always been fascinated with the Destiny story. So seeing it starting to like ramp up right around there really sparked my interest that's also when we got presage uh which felt very new but also familiar um it also gave me like halo vibes for some reason it reminded me of that one mission in halo one can't think of the name of it where you board the covenant ship um yeah i mean season of the chosen was pretty cool they also introduced the stasis turret for warlocks and i'm a warlock main so that was fun to experiment with um, but overall, like probably the best of the game, I would agree with season of opulence. There was a new raid. The menagerie was a great activity. Um, there were pinnacle weapons to chase, uh, season of opulence is probably the best overall, but in my personal opinion with bias, it's season of the chosen. That's, that's, uh, well said and shadow price. Do you have a favorite season? I'm also going to cheat. Um, I'm going with Mercules, what, what he said. I, I really like Season of Lost. I think the narrative is an awesome place, and I really like the story, how it's unfolding this season and how they're using the environments uh, in the Dreaming City and in the Shattered Realm and things like that. And it's just, we know that Sabathun is going to betray us in some way, and she's going to, you know, bust out of that cocoon she's in somehow and things like that. But um, yeah, and I, and I guess if I would have to say that my favorite full complete season, I think it would also be season of the chosen because I also thought that that was a solid season because I mean, I got my shadow price back, I think in that season. Too. I remember that. So I remember that. Um, yeah. so that one was, was, was pretty good. I would have to say, um, but yeah, I'm really liking this season so far. Definitely think the character development's really strong in it. For sure. So, question for everyone here. What do you do when you're not gaming, podcasting, or becoming legend in Destiny? Um, Alpha, Vet, do you want to kick things off for us? Well, it's a difficult question for me because uh, the first thing that I do every morning when I wake up is I meditate. Because I'm going to grind for 18 hours. And so I need to be on that mindset. And 
I drink my tea, uh, specifically green tea, and I just sit there and wait until I'm ready. This is what I do. And this is my morning routine. Now, another thing that I do uh, on top of the meditation in the mornings is I like to listen to Taylor Swift's uh, uh, recent album. Uh, it's one of the greatest albums of all time. And it helps me get into the mode of badass, rip and tear of high thrall. I mean, I can just mow down just a crowd of thralls to some Taylor Swift. And I think there is nothing more incredible than being focused. And that is why uh, anything that I do outside of Destiny, it is to be prepared uh, for Destiny. Uh, this is not a game uh, to me. This is a lifestyle. This is this is everything to me. So, you know, that's uh, kind of what puts me above the uh, uh, the rest. If, if if that's the way I could put it. I love that. Well, thank you for inspiring us. And I didn't even realize that you would meditate. Do you have any specific meditations that you recommend? Because I've been actually trying to get into meditation myself. I'm going to have to get with you after the podcast and show you some of my secret techniques. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to reveal too much because I do have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, competitors. I you understand. Know. The, you yeah. can't upset the manager. So that's, that's important. I understand. Of course. Hey, what a Swift, huh? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, another, that's not, you, you, not the destiny soundtrack. Interesting. The destiny soundtrack is reserved for special days. Where, okay. uh, when I think of the Destiny soundtrack, I think about my uh, the anniversary with my girlfriend, or our uh, wedding vows, you know. Um, and I'm still thinking about which of the tracks I'll be playing um, when she's walking down the aisle. That'd be so, Journey, right? Or uh, or the Paul McCartney song? No, I don't. I don't want Journey because that's too long. I you know I I want her to get to me as quickly as possible. I do think the Paul McCartney song is the greatest Destiny song ever written, ever sung, ever in the history of Destiny. There's nothing that it's pretty legendary. Yeah, yeah. Fair I mean, point. I've heard people say it's the greatest Beatles song of all time. Yeah, oh, it is. Damn, it is the greatest Beatles song of all time, uh, in my opinion. Um, I can't believe it's been out for almost fifty years, and and people are only just now talking about it. It's, it's incredible. I mean, Destiny was kind of an Easter egg back in the uh, back in the '60s, you know, because the whole Beatles thing. But that's just some uh, you know some insight from me. You know, I have been playing this game for a long time, so. <laughs> and uh, Mercules, what do you do when you're not playing Destiny or creating podcasts? Um. Well, I work in information security, so I'm pretty. <laughs> Pretty busy with my in real life job, unfortunately. I wish I could say that I just play Destiny uh, for a living, but unfortunately, I'm not quite as talented as a, as a vet, so I'm not I'm not blessed with that luxury. But um, I work a lot. I'm also uh, a private pilot, so if the weather's really nice, and it's on the weekends, or the weather weather's really nice after work, then I'll go out to the airport and I'll do a little bit of flying. Uh, and I prior to COVID, I was traveling a lot. Um, my fiance and I really enjoy traveling. Uh, and now with COVID, uh, that's not happening nearly as much. So the good news is it's freed up more time for Destiny. 
that's definitely the bright side there. And uh, I, I think that's really amazing that you're also a pilot. That's that's a pretty awesome skill to develop. Now, how did you become a pilot? Do you have to get some sort of a certification or a license for it? Yeah, you have to get a pilot's license in the U.S. Um, there's like 40 to 60 hours of training that you have to do in an airplane. Uh, and then you have to do a check ride and they sign you off. But I'm a third generation pilot. My grandma was a pilot. My dad was a pilot as well. So uh, it was kind of only natural that I would inevitably, inevitably end up being a pilot too. I've been playing a lot of Microsoft Flight Simulator, and uh, it's tough. I'll be honest. <laughs> There's a lot of things to... Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, it's just a simulation, but from what I heard, it's pretty accurate to some it, things. It is. It's a pretty yeah. good simulator. I, I think Microsoft is trying to... Uh, the simulator market is actually extraordinarily lucrative, not for people on Xbox, but because every airline spends hundreds of thousands of dollars on simulators to train their pilots because it's way cheaper than having them fly actual airplanes. And every charter jet, they all use simulators and those simulators are so incredibly expensive. Like to get trained on one of them, it costs you you know $25,000 for a weekend to go get trained on yeah, one of those simulators. Sure. So uh, historically, there's been like two or three companies that uh, do all the software for those simulators mm -hmm. and they're really antiquated and their physics are lifelike. Uh, but their graphical clarity is pretty much shit. So I think Microsoft is going to try to make a push into that market because um, there's a good bit of money in it. And uh, it's, you know, it's just another opportunity for them, same as Xbox was. Yeah, no, definitely. That's that's really interesting. I never really thought about that uh, before. Now, question for Vet. What do you enjoy the most about being content creator in Destiny? And how does one become a pro like yourself? What do I enjoy about being a content creator? Well, besides the... Me personally, I'm a loose cannon. I like, I like to live life on the edge. You know, every day, you, don't never, you never know when you're going to be canceled. And so I'm always on the edge, always chasing that, you know, that moment. Uh, you know, I'm always, you know, trying to, you know, dodge those cancellations and it's, it's a tough thing, you know, because you're trying to make your content, uh, and then, but then you've got people who are jealous of your success. And, uh, but I would say aside from that, that edge of being a, a creator, uh, it is entertaining people. Um, that is my favorite part about being a creator uh entertaining people and giving people smiles and laughter and brightening up people's days and i'm going to tell you something that is uh, very near and dear to my heart it, there's there's no greater feeling for me than receiving a dm on twitter or or youtube or on steam saying hey man i love your tweets or, hey, man, I love your stuff. Keep it up. You know, it's made my day. I've had people send me, uh, you know, their whole life story, you know, and a very beautiful thing, you know, they go, hey, I had a really tough day and your, your content has made me or has given me a reason to smile today. Thank you. And for me, that is my reason as well to uh, still going. It may not be for everybody, uh, and that's okay. You know, not everybody has to like me. Uh, I accept that. Um, 
but I am here for the people that, that do need it. Uh, and for anyone that wants to get into content creation, uh, you know, anything is content creation from creating art, from making videos. Uh, but if you're going to get into content creation, the number one thing you have to ask yourself is what are you passionate about? Are you passionate about entertaining people? Are you passionate about providing information to people? Are you passionate about uh, conveying uh, your way of thinking through art? Or what is your goal in doing so? Because if you're just in it for, oh, for the fame or the, or the money, you're going to be very unhappy. And I'm going to tell you right now, nobody would have lost a single day being in any content creator's shoes because it is tough. Because no matter how hard you try, you can never make anyone happy. You cannot make everyone happy. And you could be living your life, making content, never hurting a soul, but you would have always that one loud voice saying, your content sucks. <laughs> and that rings true in your head, thinking, and you're like, man, my content does suck even though you've got a thousand people uh, supporting you. So it's, it's tough. It's not easy. So that's why I always say you have to be passionate about it. You have to find what you're looking for um, in terms of content creation. Don't do it just for money. Don't do it just for, you know, uh, anything else if you're not happy with what you're doing because it's like a career or like a part-time job. If you don't like what you're doing, you're not going to be happy. And the number, number one thing as a human being is if you're going to do anything in life, uh, do what makes you happy because we've got a limited, time, limited amount of time here. So I hope that answers your question. And I can definitely relate to getting really nice messages occasionally. And it's so nice to just randomly out of the blue get like a really nice message that, hey, the podcast impacted what they're doing and that's so cool to hear that so i can definitely yeah. relate in that sense yeah if you've got a favorite creator always make sure send them a dm say hey man thanks thanks for the content thanks for what you do i guarantee you that those dms always makes their day guaranteed definitely well said my friend so on a slightly different topic this is a destiny podcast what are some of your favorite Destiny moments? Mercules, do you want to kick things off? Ooh, favorite Destiny moment. Um, uh, maybe I'm going to pronounce this wrong because I pronounced everything wrong, but Presage, uh, running it for the first time completely blind. Like it came out and people were talking about it, and I got off of Reddit and got off of Twitter and stayed blind to it the entire time and then got on and just ran it for a good bit of time trying to beat in, trying to figure it out and exploring. And it was probably the most fun I've had in a PVE activity in, uh, in destiny two. Um, if we're going all the way back to destiny one, the first time I went flawless, uh, the very first weekend trials was a thing. I just LFG would uh, two other random people and we won our first game and we were like, Oh my God, this is going to be so easy. And we got brutalized our second game, like B five zero, and we were like, I don't know, maybe we maybe we spoke too soon, and uh, we ended up winning the next five games, and our very last game came down to the wire, and we won five four, and it was probably like 
the hardest my heart has been pounding in Destiny history ever. And it's still to this day is one of the greatest memories that I have of Destiny. You know, my favorite memory in Destiny was back in the Vault of Glass when we beat it for the first time. And I don't think me or Shadow Price ever played a raid before that. It was our first time getting into a raid. And it was just such a cool experience to finally beat it. And I didn't get the Vex on the first run. Shadow Price, did you get your Vex? I don't remember. I didn't get my Vex till like two months later. Like, I think we played like three times a week on every character. I got mine like sometime in November, I think it was. But yeah, that was, it was, it was pretty cool. Definitely. You know, it's nice reliving it too in Destiny 2. Just be able to play that anytime we want now. Yeah, absolutely. And that, what about you, man? What's your favorite Destiny moment? My favorite Destiny moment is when I told everybody, I remember this second week of Xur, everyone was like, oh, by, yeah. Uh, save your strange coin, save your, save your strange coin. And I told everybody, listen, don't waste your time buying a freaking rocket launcher, man. <laughs> and people believed me because I knew what, I knew what it was. I knew how special it was. <laughs> I didn't want anyone to have the Galahorn. Are you kidding me? I wanted to be the only one to have it because I knew it was Our special. Move. All right. That's why I always talk trash about the Galahorns. I don't want anyone knowing how good it was. And so there I was, laughing. In every raid, melting bosses, out DPSing everybody while they were using their puny auto rifles and grenades for damage. And what damn, how'd you do that much damage, man? <laughs> Listen, man, I'm just built different, all right? And the greatest moment of all time in Destiny was receiving the Galahorn. It doesn't matter how you received it in year one. If you received it in year one and you used it, it was the greatest moment of your life, period. It's a great story. I really like the narration behind it too. I, I'm just picturing, I was picturing it in my head as you were like in the vault of class with the Galahorn and just like you're speaking over it as you're like firing it and like, yeah, this is mine. You yeah. guys all bought Sunbreakers like that day, some bracers or whatever. You know, no, doesn't even matter how it's pronounced. It's just that's all that matters is that you know how to pronounce Galahorn because that is the DPS king. And uh, this coming uh, December, the 30th anniversary, Galahorn is going to suck. Don't get it. Don't use it. Uh, don't waste your don't waste your money on Galahorn. That's all I got to say about that. You hear it here first. For the expansion. It's $25, right? So you shouldn't buy the. Expansion. Ah, save okay. your save your money for the save next expansion. Okay, got it. Okay. Well, now we know. <laughs> and Protheon, what about you, bud? What's your favorite Destiny moment? Um, so I think it's gonna be King's Fall, completing King's Fall for the first time because you know I did Vault of Glass, Crota's End, but we, you know, my team would look up guides on how to do them. And we all said, you know what, the next raid, let's just go in completely blind and figure it out. 
And doing that was really fun to do. It it didn't take us, you know, the first first week. I think it took three resets for us to finally figure out how to do everything. Um, so finally killing Oryx blind without, you know, not knowing what to do. That was just always an amazing memory to have. That was back when I was playing on the Xbox 360. How that thing ran, no idea. Um, but seeing Oryx's body fly away after we killed a hive god felt pretty good. I'll, I'll never forget those days. Those were some good times in the game. And speaking of good old times, what rage should return from Destiny's past after the Witch Queen? What do you all think? Mercules, what would you like to see back? I don't know, I feel like it's got to be King's Fall, right? We're going to be fighting yeah. Sabathun. I think it would be a huge, uh, a huge miss to not bring Oryx back into the fold. Thematically, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I agree 100%. I think from a narrative perspective, it makes total sense for King's Fall to come back. Plus, recently, one of the... Uh, Bungie developers went on record and said that the next raid that will be returning back isn't going to be a small one, which to me indicates that it's probably not going to be Crota's End because that was a pretty small raid in comparison to the others. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's either King's Fall or Wrath, and I mean, it makes more sense for King's Fall to come back first. I think yeah. if they want to bring back, in my opinion, I think what they should bring back is not King's Fall. And, and you're probably surprised to hear that. I think it should be Wrath of the Machine because I feel like it is a very underrated raid everyone talks about king's fall but a lot of people didn't experience wrath they a lot they always hear about king's fall but not wrath and i think a lot of people should experience wrath for its unique uh for its uniqueness i would like to see king's fall thematically because it makes sense because of the narrative but it is an incredibly easy raid, and unless they dramatically change some mechanics, uh, I don't think that a lot of people are going to uh, have fun with it because when the rose-tinted glasses come off, a lot of people are going to realize that King's Fall wasn't as as epic as uh, our minds uh, made it seem. Hey, um, would you... Would you think that they changed up Vault of Glass enough to be difficult for Destiny 2, or do you still think it was too easy? What are your thoughts on that? Well, me personally, uh, I think everything is too easy, but that's just okay, me. Okay, yeah, here it is. Uh, but I do believe, you know, if I were a casual player, I would like to say that the day one version of Vault of Glass and coupled with the challenge mode, uh, I thought that was an incredible, incre an incredible experience that everybody should experience at least once in their lives. Yeah, I'd agree uh, with that. I think they did the mechanics justice. They kept it true to the raid. It was the first raid, uh, and in my opinion, it is one of the most 
It is the most iconic raid of all time. doesn't matter what you think about it. It is the most iconic one um, because of everything that it, it brought to Destiny as a franchise. Uh, but I think there is always something special when a day one raid was as challenging as Vault. And I feel like raids should be a lot harder than what they are right now. The entry level should be easy. You know, anybody could enter, right? But it should be difficult to complete. And I'm not, I'm not talking about, oh, beef up, the, beef up the enemies or anything like that. It should require uh, a lot more coordination, a lot more communication, uh, a lot more uh, crafting your build. You know, hey, what, what build are you going to be bringing into the raid? I want there to be a raid where it actually forces you to think about the kind of build you're going to bring into it. Right. Um, what raid do you feel like has done that the best out of all the raids in Destiny? I definitely think that it was only... You know, builds in Destiny is only a recent thing. So you weren't always able to do as much as what you're able to do now. So I can't, I can't say which one has done that the best because I feel like every iteration of a new raid, uh, Bungie has been stepping it up and we're slowly getting more into the true RPG elements uh, that a raid should have, you know, forcing you to think about what to bring uh, but if I were to answer the question as is, as you know, which with what we have and what have had, I would say Vault, the, the this recent iteration of Vault, did the best in encouraging you to use different kinds of things. Um, for sure, at least for the day one version, we definitely strategized a lot. Me and my day my day one team, we we really. Thought about what to bring, you know, the war mine cells, uh, you know, a bunch of bunch of anything to do with healing to help our teammates. I mean, we really worked on our specific builds, and that is something that I don't think any other raid has done before. Because before that, it was just oh, bring this weapon, that weapon. Oh, be be ready at the power. Um. How was that? If we thought contest mode was difficult for Vogue, imagine contest mode coming for King's Fall. Like, that's going to be pretty brutal, too. Like, especially especially the, with the new mechanics they would bring in, yeah. yeah. The only, like, problem I could see with King's Fall is a lot of the boss fights are you stand in a spot and you just unload onto a boss. So... I mean, yeah, there, it was like that for Warpriest, Golgoroth, both of the um, Daughters of Orcs. Is that that encounter? Like, yeah. you just kind of sit in a spot, and you do a lot of damage. And you just... There's only, like, you just use the best gun you have. So if they do bring King's Orcs Fall... has the back, mechanics. You, you have yeah. to do the orbs. Yeah. And I yeah, like that. I love works. stuff like that. I think yeah. Destiny needs more boss fights like that, where it's not just shoot, shoot until they die, you know? Yeah, he's... Um, Orcs wasn't just a health bar, you know. It was, right. 
more than that. Yeah, I really appreciate stuff like that. So if they were to bring King's Fall back, I would like them to alter maybe a boss fight or two so it's not, you know, do damage solely based on, you know, what weapon or standing in a spot and shooting the boss from far away. I really liked Chronosaro, um, how the Chronosaro boss phase one where it's like the little guy and he has, you know, the axes and the best strategy for that was swords for the longest time. You just sword him as often as you could. I like fights like that. Um, what's the thing? Shirochi from Last Wish where you like chase her up the... Multi-level, like, yeah. 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 And you do short yeah. bursts of damage. That changed up a lot of people's loadouts, you know, because a lot of people used to use snipers um, to do damage at that time, and you didn't have to do that. It was shotguns and swords and fusion rifles. And, Definitely you know, fusions now. <laughs> yeah, especially. Yeah. I, I know this won't be a popular opinion, but I think the final boss in Eater of Worlds, Argos, that was a really fun and unique fight. Oh, I, and I, I agree with you. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. You can even say Spire of Stars, though, too. Like a lot like of that, a just... lot of people give Eater of Worlds a lot of crap, but the boss fight itself I thought was a lot of fun. That was a, a yeah. fun fight. There's a lot yeah. going on. Yeah. I I think that I, I'd like to see some more unique encounters. Like even if you think about um raids like the Leviathan raid, I know Shadow's favorite raid. <laughs> um I think there were some unique encounters there were some unique things there that were very different from what we had before you know um and i'd like to see more of that from destiny in the future but in terms of raids that come back i think it would be kind of nice to see them not be afraid to change things up a little bit more and to create if not the same version but a different variation of that raid that you can play that has different mechanics, something different that would essentially extend your gameplay, right? It, it, think about having an, a classic version of a raid that returns, and then you have a crazy different version of it. Like what they did with Nightfalls, where they had like a backwards Nightfall. They experimented with that, or they have like a Taken version. Things like that, I think, would add a very fun and unique spin on the end game content and extend our gameplay and make things feel a bit more fresh as we go from week to week. Oh, I was just going to say that's why we need a weekly rotation of featured raids with They're bringing that in King's Fall. I mean, not King's Fall. I'm sorry, Witch Queen. They're bringing that in Witch Queen, right? Yeah, the Witch Queen is when we'll, we'll get that. And they made a promise. Every three months, we're going to get a new piece of endgame content, whether it be a dungeon or a new raid that will be coming. So that's really encouraging to get that news and something to be excited for. Yeah, I already don't have a social life, so this is going to work out great for me. Love it. <laughs> so we have a question from one of our community members on Twitter. And thank you, Lucas, for your question. And Lucas wants to know, do you think we will see stasis armor that enhances the stasis subclass super? What do you all think? I hope not. <laughs> I don't really want to see stasis supers uh, become really strong again. Behemoth was already a nightmare. Uh, Shade Binder 
is really strong in its current state already. Uh, the Revenant super isn't tremendously great, but Shatter Dive is really good. So I would kind of be okay with them not uh, giving us any exotics or anything or armor mods that, that buff those, at least PvP-wise, which is most of my focus. Oh, I just uh, realized, is there not an exotic piece that enhances a stasis subclass? I didn't even put that together. Aren't you supposed to be the strike boss, Protheon? Yeah. Come on, man. Of... You should know what people are using against you. <laughs> yeah, come oh, on, man. I are feel you like trying to not you... get melted? Yeah, I know. Well, with stasis, he gets frozen. Right. I feel like they are going to because that there isn't that already for those subclasses. I mean, originally, I guess they didn't have to because of aspects and fragments. But if they're bringing that to the light subclasses, I could see a stasis armor, exotic armor piece. But I can also see them just not doing that at all. We'll have to see. I kind of agree with Merc, though, that I don't want that to happen. I, I agree as well. I think it's going to be very detrimental to the Crucible, especially. You know, I think PvE will be a bit broken, but I think historically PvE has been a bit broken in Destiny where there are new weapons that become meta that can just melt. Like uh, recently, me and some friends were playing the Nightfall and we melted the boss with 1K and uh, one person was using... Uh, what was it? Tractor cannon, I want to say. And something, and I think um, that fusion rifle, Telesto. And we just melted the boss within like five seconds. Particle deconstruction is pretty strong. Particle deconstruction, yeah, it is. I wonder what... Go ahead, sorry. It's going to be an unpopular... Uh opinion but i don't think that we should have things like particle deconstruction at all in the game uh, i don't think that we should have uh debuffs like that um that make any weapon for just no reason at all just super super beefy allowing you to just melt things uh i think that instead of having these crazy debuffs and improvements to uh to to the supers we should have less of more big damage and more flexibility in uh in what happens in the game so giving you debuffs give you more damage i feel like makes the game too easy i mean it, it, it it's kind of funny kind of a joke a protheon you, you know this more than i do man you get destroyed on a daily basis especially when you're the the featured nightfall man you already know yeah. you should be an advocate against these debuffs i am oh, good uh destiny it is at its best when it is challenging, when it makes you work for something. And, you know, it's an unpopular, you know, opinion. You know, I did call for the, I did pretty much decide 
you know, I pretty much told Bungie, hey, it's time to nerf Anarchy. And, you know, next season they just did. So, you know, I'm not going to be saying anything else because I know I have incredible influence, but I think we need to move away from the from that whole debuff uh, business because it makes the game ridiculously easy when you just, oh, just sit there and melt them with that one mod. That's it, <laughs> you know? I think it's okay because it, it, you know, changes up people's loadouts um, for a season. But overall, I feel like a lot of the PvE content has gotten easier. Um, I, I hate to say it, but I mean, that, some bosses just need more health in general, I think. And I know that that isn't always fun. It is fun to melt bosses, but when every boss in the game is getting melted and you're skipping their, um, what's that called? Mechanic? It is less enjoyable to me sometimes. Like how the uh, Warden of Nothing boss, did you know he has a mechanic? Because that guy gets melted within seconds. And I think he has a pretty cool mechanic in the game where you have to hide in shadows to prevent from getting burned. Um, Even Protheon, you know, where you fall from platform to platform and there's a different mechanic on each level. That's really interesting. I remember the beta being a lot of fun and challenging. And I don't think it needs to be like that in every activity, but I do agree in some sense that some bosses could use a little adjustment to their health. Um, I, I don't know if that if it should go as much as in nerfing Guardians, because I don't think a lot of people would be happy if Bungie outright said that they were nerfing us instead of buffing them. I think people would take that more... Uh, Less personally, if bosses were getting bumps in their health rather than guardians were getting nerfed. Yeah. And, you know, I also think to that point, it would essentially go against the nature of what Destiny is about. And it's to make you feel like you are a boss killing machine to become a legend, to become more powerful. So I think there needs to be that fine balance between difficulty and challenge and you know, making things feel rewarding. Like, as an example, for me, I feel like in the Vault of Glass, for example, I think the weapons that we get are far too rewarding. We're getting too many Fade Bringers, too many Vexmith, uh, not Vexmith class, I wish, right? Um, Vision of Confluence weapons, whatever weapons are available, I think they're too abundant this time around. Whereas in Vanilla Destiny 1, they were pretty few and far between. Yeah, it seemed like the uh, the difficulty in Destiny One was was much higher. It's also because I feel like we we weren't as powerful then as we are now. Like there's just like he like Vet said, there's so many debuffs and things like that that make us like you know superhuman out there and everything. You know, with this particle deconstruction, I, I can see this. I can see them touching this mod. I mean, this is a long season. By so. by next season, yeah, I I think they will. I don't think they're going to touch. No, it'll it. be gone it's, next season. So I right, I, I feel gone, but I, I don't think maybe in December when the anniversary update comes. Yeah. I I feel like they're gonna hit hit this mod because they they knew that it came out a little too hot. So we have a question from Brian on Twitter. Thank you, Brian, for your question. 
And this is a question for Vet. How has fame affected you in your day-to-day life? Being a gilded dredgen with more raid rings than a normal person can count has to have some effect on you. Oh, yeah. So one of the immediate effects of my fame is the difficulty in opening doors. Uh, having as many raid rings as I do, uh, you know, I feel inclined to wear my raid rings because, you know, I worked for it. Um, you know, I harassed people uh, endlessly to get these codes. So I felt like I need to be wearing this. Wait, wait, and, did you say you harassed people to get codes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the only way I can get multiple raid rings, unfortunately. Oh, God. Uh, okay. I, remember, I remember I had multiple of my neighbors uh, talk about how they were really excited about getting these raid rings. Uh, and I said, uh, no, I'm going to need that. And they were kind enough to uh, give me their codes so I can have the raid rings. Um, you know, personally, I felt like I earned it. So, you know, I was kind of treating myself. Uh, anytime I walk out, you know, I'm immediately recognized by people. Uh, you know, just the other day, I went to Walmart to do some grocery shopping. And uh, right in the beginning, right in the front entrance of Walmart, someone greeted me. And they're like, hello, good morning. Uh, and clearly they recognized me. They knew who I was. I mean, they wouldn't be so friendly if they didn't know who I was. And it was insane. It was like, you know who I am, don't you? And this lady must have been like 80 years old. Um, and, and she was so nice. And I was like, you know who I am. And then she said something about her looking like her grandson or something like that. I don't know. But clearly she knew who I was. Um, so it has its positives and his and, and the negatives and, and being famous. Um, you know, I remember uh, when I was going to buy my, my, you know, my car. It's uh, not to brag or anything like that, but it's a 2007 Nissan Altima. And I kind of told this guy, you know, who I am. I said, hey, man, look, kind of a big deal. You know, you don't have to give me any discounts or anything like that. And, uh... I felt like he was trying to tell me that I can't afford the uh, the car or anything like that. Because um, he was going on a rant about something about transmission, engine failure, uh, salvage, whatever. I don't know. It, basically, I told him, hey, man, look, I can afford the car, okay? Like, you don't have to, like, you know, tease me or anything like that. Like, not to brag, but I, I, I can afford it. So I bought the car, and, you know, it makes my daily interactions uh, difficult at times, but... Um, but I, I wouldn't trade it for anything else in the world. Thank you for sharing that. It's a very inspiring story. And, oh, uh, for sure, man. It's great to hear that. And for everyone here, uh, we have a question from uh, Italixon. I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher your name, so I apologize. From Twitter, thank you for your question. And he wants to know, if you could play one mode in Destiny for the rest of your life, which mode would it be? And Prothean, do you want to kick things off? Yeah, does do you think that counts as like like PvE, PvP, like all that stuff? Yeah. Would you would you try to fight a specific nightfall where you have to like fight the Protheon encounter? 
<laughs> um, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, no, it's really in between a Destiny raid. So uh, maybe not. I don't know. I guess I'd I'd have to just say like control, um, like PvP. I this season I've been enjoying PvP a lot, and it does change, you know, all the time. If I if I only played control, um, in the Crucible, I think I'd be okay. <laughs> um, and who knows? Maybe even after the trials updates, maybe it would be that game mode. Um, I'm really excited to check out trials tomorrow. So. It's hard to pinpoint one exact activity, but uh, PvP in this game has always been very different. So probably con- control crucible would be my final answer. And what would you say, Vet? What about what about you? Sorry, repeat the question for me. Um, if you can play one activity in Destiny for the rest of your life, what activity would you play? Honestly, it would have to be Gambit uh, because, yeah, if I could only play one game mode, then I might as well play the one game mode that gives me everything that Destiny has to offer. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, recently I celebrated my third third gilding of the Dredgen title. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. I get this a lot, and uh, it's a it's a big deal in my career. And uh, playing Gambit means a lot to me because you have to show your prowess in both PVE and PVP. Um, I wear my Dredgen pin proudly on my chest. Anywhere I go, people should know. Hey, I'm a Dredgen. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a man of focus. I'm a, I'm a serious business. You know, I'm not here to play games. So I feel like that would be my number one choice, Gambit. Uh, no, I'm not talking about Gambit Prime. I'm talking about true Gambit, three rounds, because one round is not enough to prove yourself. You need three or two if you win both. Powerful words. Thank you. And Thank you. out of curiosity... In Gambit, are you the invader? Are you the collector? What's your what's your role in Gambit? Uh, I like to think about myself as a like a variety creator. You know, I do a little bit of everything. Uh, it depends on what the team needs. If I'm going in with an LFG, you know, they're already figured everything out. What who's going to be doing what? But if I'm just randomly queuing, I already know right off the bat that I'm going to be invading because nobody's going to be able to, you know, do this as efficiently. So, you know, as soon as I get my 15 melts, I invade. Uh, and this is a strategy, and I don't think anyone here realizes that, but I invade with my 15 melts to strike fear in my enemy's eyes. I want them to know that I'm not afraid. I am that confident in myself that I know I won't lose those 15 melts. And I'm coming in there, not with weapons, not with eyes of tomorrow. I'm going in there to get an army of one with melee only. That is not only how I intimidate, but also how I humiliate people. uh, Because people need to learn. 
you can't just play gaming and think that you're going to have a good time or that this is just a game. No, this is serious business. It's Gambit, man. Sorry, I don't mean to get heated, but this is, uh, uh, you know, Gambit is a real serious game. Yeah. Very passionate. Yeah. Thank you for noticing that. But yeah, that's, that's how I felt about it. So Mark, what about you? If you can play any one mode in Destiny for the rest of your life, what would it be? And that's going to be a tough one for you. Well, it'd be a 6v6 PvP, pretty much. Doesn't matter if it's Control, Ooh. Iron Banner. I mean, I've already spent 60% of my time in the game in there anyways. Like, that's what keeps me going. Uh, if Destiny didn't have PvP, I probably wouldn't play it, uh, to be entirely honest. Like, I'm definitely a PvP player, first and foremost. But if they were to ever put a big team in Destiny, then yeah, that would be the only thing that I'd play. Like, 9v9 would be awesome. That would be pretty cool. I have to ask you, were you always like that? Even from Destiny 1, you were a PvP main? Yeah, man. I didn't even raid until Moments of Triumph in D1. Wow. What? I, yeah, I mean, I, I was a solo player anyways, right? Like, I didn't have a clan back then. And I only had a handful of friends who played. And they were mostly PvP players, too. So, you know, Vault of Glass came out. And I was like, oh, cool, that's neat. Now I'm seeing different weapons in the Crucible. And that was pretty much the only effect it had on me. Uh, I'm pretty much always exclusively a, not exclusively, but I'm uh, heavily weighted towards PvP. And, and Merck, next question is for you. I know that you were a Bungie gameplay specialist. How was that experience like from what you're able to share? And how did that opportunity come about? Because that sounds like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, it was awesome to be entirely honest. Like if Seattle wasn't so incredibly expensive to live, like I would have stayed out there and, uh, and continued trying to work, uh, at the company, but I live in Florida and I live really close to the beach and I was spending like twice as much money to live in a room with like six roommates in Seattle. So it was, yeah, but the job itself was incredible. I loved it. I loved working at Bungie. I loved all the people that I worked with. I love what I was doing on a day-to-day basis. I, I, you know, jokingly say that what my job was was to play Destiny for six hours a day and then argue about it for two, because um, that's pretty hey, is much that what you do now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I don't get paid to do it full time. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm a volunteer. Um, so, uh, how did it come about? Um, I trying to think. The story kind of starts multiple ways. So I went out to uh, Seattle on a trip with my fiance years ago. And I was in the bathroom washing my hands at the airport at SeaTac, which is their uh, main airport out there. And the guy washing his hands next to me had a bungee shirt on. And I literally looked at him. I was like, hey, do you work at Bungie? And he was like, yeah. And we got to chatting. He had played on Xbox. I played on Xbox. We ended up playing a bit together. Uh, And then like three years later, he reached out to me and was like, hey, uh, there's a job opening coming up at Bungie if you'd be interested in applying for it. We're going to try this new thing. We're going to try to bring in gameplay specialists. And the whole point of it is like, we don't want developers. We want people who are in the community, like deeply embedded in the different aspects of the community. And we want to bring them in and we want to kind of get your guys' opinions on the stuff that we're doing uh, before we do it. So that, you know, obviously that was the period, that was pre-Forsaken, right? So Chris or Osiris had come out and it was like, just brutally panned and Warmind had come out and Warmind was like going in the right direction, but that was Vicarious Visions that did that. 
so this was Forsaken, which Bungie was working on with High Moon Studios, and they like wanted to get a bunch of feedback, you know, preemptively before they made all these changes. So actually, uh, the first um, the first mission I tested uh, was the Whisper uh, mission on Io. It was actually the first thing I tested when I got there, and that was incredible. And we were like, this is gold. And then we pretty much just kept going, played through the campaign about 100 times, played through the campaign solo, 30 light levels under, which took me like literally hours and hours and hours to beat. Um, did you know that the machinist actually has a bunch of mechanics too, right? Nobody knows that because oh, I just melts it. But yeah, there's like a ton. There's like three different attack styles that the machinist does, and it rotates through all these different like battle phases, but everybody just melted it in the campaign. So nobody ever saw that. Uh, but I saw it because it took me three and a half hours to beat it. 30 light levels under solo. So, um, you know, it was just, I kind of got lucky. I was in the right place at the right time. I guess I had been, uh, at that point in time, I had been like writing a ton on Reddit. I was like posting an article a day on Reddit. And so when they asked me to apply, I like put together a portfolio and I realized that I had written 140 articles and 400,000 words and like, some insane amount of pages about destiny and i was like comparing it to a doctoral thesis and it was like as long as a doctoral thesis about destiny <laughs> and so uh i did i showed them that and i showed them some youtube videos and i showed them some podcast episodes and they were like you know you seem to you seem to play destiny a bit you seem to talk about destiny even more i think you might be a good fit wow that's really awesome that's that's really cool probably the most proud i've ever been in my entire life was uh was getting the opportunity to do that so i gotta ask about that like you mentioned playing through the campaign hundreds of times does it ever start feeling like a job and less like a hobby um when i was out there no i mean i'm sure if i was out there for you know 10 years or something it probably would uh, but I was out there for four months and at no point in time did I stop enjoying what I was doing. Um, I would like wake up early to get to the office early. And like we weren't even allowed to uh, to work overtime without management approval. But I would like get to the office at like 6 a.m. And just like sit and play Destiny at my desk. And I would stay at the office till like 11 p.m. at night every single day. Uh, like I would wait at the office until every other person was leaving the office and then I would like go out with the last person. So no, at no point in time that I was out there, did it ever feel like a job? It felt like uh, living out a childhood dream. It's pretty much what it felt like. A lifestyle. It was just, it just became like a lifestyle basically. Yeah. 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 I, I got a question about that. Um, the forsaken campaign, like when they first introduced the, uh, the barons and things like that, were they going for like a, you know, how like bosses in metal gear solid, are and things like that when they when they had that introductory trailer and then they had the playing cards that they you know that the spider when he introduced them were they going for like a metal gear solid like boss like kind of thing like you know all these different if you guys played metal gear solid games before i've never played metal gear solid so i i don't yeah i don't know uh yeah i'm not really sure what what the comparison is there but oh okay I, I just I, I was wondering because I was kind of drawing a comparison to it a little bit when I was uh, when we were when we were playing it for the first time, um, because, you know, that's uh, kind of like how the bosses got introduced. It was through like cut scenes and things like that. And it would just kind of you kind of experience it as you went through the campaign and things like that. And it just 
I kind of felt a little bit like that, the way Forsaken campaign was. Yeah, originally they had um, all the bosses just like opened up at one time, right? So you like played through the campaign and you hit a certain point and then you just had, you know, six or seven barons and they all opened up and you could go do them um, kind of as you felt like doing them. And some of the feedback that we gave them was like, uh, this doesn't really feel right because you don't have like an order. And some of the some of the bosses were like way easier than other ones. It was like, you don't really have an order that I'm going through. So like I play one boss and it'd be really easy. And then I'd play the next boss and it'd be really hard. And then I play the third boss and it'd be easy again. And because you're constantly getting drops that whole time, by the time you were on like the sixth boss, you had like over leveled them massively and you were just destroying them. Um, so one of the feedbacks we gave is like, hey, could you maybe stagger their release, like give us two, 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 and like up the light levels a little bit. So it kind of feels like it's more progression. Like you're starting with like the easiest barons and you're working up to the hard barons. But if you want to start with the hard barons, you can. They're just a higher light level. So it was it was stuff like that that we um that we were able to give feedback on and that we were able to talk to them about. And I think we were there when they were like talking about seasons and they were like, there was like a huge amount of uncertainty around it. And they were like, we don't know if this is the right call. You know, we don't, we're really scared about potentially doing seasons. Like we think people aren't going to like this. They want the DLCs. And I remember like the meeting we were in, it was me and Holtzman. If you know who Holtzman is, uh, Patrick Casey uh, used to be on DCP. Um, and uh, this girl, Madison, who goes by spot, who was like a, who was like one of the most uh, prolific raid Sherpas in destiny at the time. She's like, almost a thousand raid completions. Um, and we're sitting in there and like, they had just told us earlier in the day and like, we're sitting with the like leaders of destiny. It's like Luke Smith. And uh, at that point in time, Justin Truman and Evan and like all these guys and they're sitting there and, uh, and Scott too. Actually, I actually haven't told this story before, but it, this stuff is like so far in the past and I'm sure it's not in D8 anymore, but um they had like just told us earlier in the day that they were going to sunset all of the guns when Forsaken came out and they were going to sunset like everything pre Forsaken. And we were like really upset about that. And they were explaining the seasons to us and they were like, so we're going to do this. We're super nervous. We're worried. And like me and Holtzman and spot were like, no, 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 that's cool. That's a great idea. Uh, sunsetting. Like you cannot do that. And they were like, well, hold on, let's go back to the seasons thing. And we're like, no, 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 the seasons sound good. Like that sounds fun. Do that. And they were like, but we're not going to have a campaign anymore. And it's like, your campaigns have been terrible so far. So like, that's fine. Everything people care about is the guns and the activities. It's like, just do that. That's great. Let's talk about sunsetting. And then we like spent an hour explaining to them why sunsetting was a horrible idea and why it was like the last thing that they wanted to do with Forsaken because it would just like kill all the enthusiasm that was like building. And they were just so surprised that like their idea of seasons, they were thinking that this was going to like fracture the community and people were going to fucking hate it. And it was going to be like the worst thing ever. And as players, we were just like, no, that sounds great. Like that sounds exactly like what you guys need to do. That's a good idea. And the thing that they thought was not going to be that big of a deal, which was sunsetting was actually like a huge deal and a showstopper. And so it was like those type of conversations that we had. And I think it was super beneficial for Bungie to be able to have that perspective of someone who's like not a developer, not head down on the game the entire time, but like reads Reddit and participates in Reddit. And it was also incredible for me because I got to see the stuff that was going on behind the scenes and like how much work they put into it and how much they cared about it and how much the game meant to them and how much making a good game meant to them too, which at the time the community was like, these people suck. They don't know what they're doing. They hate destiny. And like having been inside Bungie, that was so far from the truth. And now I think everybody sees that, 
based on that open communication that they have and how much Joe has said and Justin has said and stuff like that. So, yeah. And I feel like the story has come so far since like, you know, I mean, Forsaken was the story going in the right direction and things like that. And maybe the seasons when they first came out, like the those first few seasons after Forsaken were, you know, they were a little light. Opulence was good. Like what everybody, you know, we all agree on that. Uh, but the activities were good behind Opulence. You had Menagerie, you had a raid, and things like that. And then you had the strong narrative that you did in Arrivals and everything as well. Um, it's just nice that you were able to provide that feedback, like, right on the spot. And then, you know, that's like, okay, so, you know, they, they listened to you guys. You know, they, they, they really understood that, you know, we, we're, we're here for the player. You know, we want to do our best for the players, to do to make the best game that we can and i feel like they've come so far since then they, you know, they listened like, to us a lot there was never any like at no point in time when i was there did i feel like we'd been brought in to be like just figureheads or something right where they were like look we're hiring people from the community we're listening like every team that we met with from narrative to combatant design to pvp sandbox like every team we met with legitimately listen to what we said and it was great because like i was mostly a pvp player spot was mostly a raid player and holtzman is like an omnivore like he played everything so they had all three um they had like all three sections of the community like well represented with the three of us right yeah that's that's amazing yeah and just just think how far the game has come since curse of osiris you know it's like, which a lot of people say is the low point of Destiny 2, you know, and it's like, you know, we all know where the game was at that point and everything. But, you know, it's like they didn't they didn't rest on their laurels, you know, they, they just the game got kept getting better, you know, and now we're at the point where, you know, we're getting the D1 content back in the game. We're getting a mixture of D1 content and new stuff, you know, and it's like. And, and I'm really excited for the 30th anniversary uh, when that comes, you know, because that's 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 them honoring their legacy, not only things in Destiny, but Bungie together, Halo, Myth, Marathon, um, all the other games, you know, that Oni, the games I, I didn't play a lot of those games. You know, I, I played Halo, but I never played Marathon. I never played Myth or anything like that. I never played Oni. So. It's cool that, you know, they're they're really like they're all in on this now. You know, it's like the direction is, you know, it, it, the, the vision is clear, basically. You know, it's Mercury, like, Mercury, like, you were kind of talking about this, how like everyone at Bungie, you know, loves the game. One of my favorite rumors was that there's a ghost team working on Destiny while Bungie's working on their next IP. That's always been one of my favorite rumors because um, it's a terrible one. Um, I've always gotten as, I mean, you've had both experience inside the studio and out, but as someone who has never had any experience, I've always thought, you know, these guys are nerds about Destiny. I mean, Joe, Joe Blackburn is the biggest nerd about Destiny. Luke Smith, all of them. Um, Tom Farnsworth. Uh, every developer I know, part of Bungie, is obsessed with destiny and that's that's kind of awesome to see i mean look at what they're doing with the uh, campaign for witch queen they're really taking a step up you straight up said 
supposedly your campaigns have sucked, which is true. So seeing that improvement with Witch Queen, that they're putting extra time into the campaign has me really excited. And to clarify, when I said the campaign sucked, I meant the uh, like Curse of Osiris one and like these right. yeah, little yeah, yeah. short expansion ones, not their full fall release ones, which have always historically been very good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Um, but like their little DLC ones were that were like five missions were never great. But yeah, Joe right. was one of my direct supervisors at Bungie when I was there. And he they built this team um, called, it was him and a guy named Jared, another guy named Chris, but it was called Cave to Raid. And they sat us down with Forsaken and we had like two and a half weeks to no life the game. Like they set up, a conference room with like 20 computers and they got the three of us gameplay specialists and the, I want to say like the 15 or like the 12 most hardcore destiny players at the company. And they took all of us off of our work for two weeks and they put us in this conference room and they were like, no life, the shit out of this game. We will order food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for you. Any refreshments that you want, like you can wear your pajamas, like however you would play this if you were at home on the couch, that's what we want for this. And we want you to know life forsaken so that they could like get uh, a gauge for like how the most hardcore of hardcore players were going to play it when it released. And then they were able to like tune the power curves and they were able to tune the drops and stuff like that so that not everybody would just like blow through it. But they also had three players playing with us who are like brand new players who never played. And so they had like the top and the bottom. And then they were like tuning everything. It was super, super cool. But Joe was in there like the entire time, uh, like head down, playing Destiny with us. Absolutely loving the game. Like we got to run the whole campaign the same way we would. Like people who wanted to run it solo ran it solo. People who wanted to run an F fire team ran an F fire team. We had people in there making spreadsheets about how to prioritize pinnacles to get your light level up quick enough. And then we like did the raid release and we did last wish and everything like that. It was it was super, super cool that's that's really awesome it's uh it's so cool that you were like there to experience all that you know and they just were like you know go crazy let loose 
And it, it's so amazing to hear stories like this being on the other side and just like hearing about how the creation process kind of comes together, which is so, so interesting. And also it it is a testament to Bungie being such a great company with such a great culture that cultivates your creative freedom to create something really cool and awesome. Yeah, I mean, they do a good job of... Uh of empowering their people to make cool stuff. Like obviously Whisper, Zero Hour, Presage, Dungeons, like there's stuff in Destiny that doesn't exist in first person shooters anywhere else. And that's because they allow the people to make what they want to play. And like that's kind of always been their motto is like we make games that we want to play. And that's what Mungie said and that's what they've done with Destiny. And I think that's kind of why Destiny 2 started out. Like obviously I wasn't there for vanilla, but um, I think they like tried to take Destiny in a direction that was like appeal to everyone, be universal. And by the time Curse of Osiris came out, they were like 100% like, nope, this is a mistake. Turn it around, go back to doing what we want to do. And sure enough, you know, it's taken a couple years, but I don't think anyone can say that, you know, Forsaken wasn't great and Shadowkeep was a ton of fun. And it's looking like Witch Green may be the best out of all of them. And to wrap up our conversation um, i'm curious how has bungie evolved as a developer in the last seven years as a company and as a game developer got about 500 more employees they do yeah they've gotten huge 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 obviously now they're working on an incubation uh project as well which i'm sure is gonna be super cool whenever we find out what that is and um I mean, obviously, the last like two years, they've had to do everything remote, which is crazy that they've been able to put out some of the best content Destiny's ever had working remote. I think that they've grown a lot. I think that they've uh, figured out what makes Destiny Destiny, and they are 100%, all their momentum is behind that. And I think that for a little bit, even with Destiny 1 and with Destiny 2, they were like poking and prodding at different genres and different things and being like, oh, is this what Destiny is? Is this what Destiny is? Like, I think Destiny 1 released... And they just like put a game out. They like didn't know necessarily what they were trying to do. And it was just like a bunch of different stuff put together into one game. And they like dumped Destiny 1 out there. And Destiny 1 kind of took on a life of its own and became its own thing. But now I think they know exactly what Destiny is. And I think, you know, seven years later, they're 100% on board. You know, all all, uh, horses are pulling in the same direction, basically. Yeah, that's so well said. That's such a perfect way to put it. I don't think I could have said it better. Now, uh, Protheon, Orvet, do you all have any thoughts on how you think Bungie has evolved since when we started playing the game back in 2014? I think they finally know what they want to do with the game. I know it sounds maybe negative to say, but it felt like Destiny didn't quite know its spot for the first few years. Um, they knew... At least I knew what uh, what did pretty well and what didn't do so well. And very confident within like the past year or two, they officially know. Like I mean, it, you saw they locked in that it's an RPG MMO. They were afraid to say MMO for a long time or RPG for a long. I guess both for a long time. M- m- more so RPG, right? Am I confusing those two? They like didn't call it. They didn't call it an RPG for a long time. Right? They didn't want to call it an MMO for a long time. MMO for a long time. Okay. I was getting the two mixed up. 
and they they locked in um, when Shadowkeep came out. So I would say they really know uh, the direction that the game wants to go. It sounds like they have a big plan for both the light and dark saga and beyond, and that they're locked in with Destiny, and that has me really excited. Yeah, very, very, very well said. And what about you, Vet? Do you have any thoughts on what uh, how Bungie has evolved in the last seven years? I think Bun- uh, I think Bungie has been doing an an incredible job. I just just moving forward, uh, moving the chains, and just defi- redefine. I mean, it's crazy because they it feels like they invented the wheel and they're reinventing it and improving upon it while everybody else is just kind of trying to do the same thing, but they just never quite get there. And it's, and Destiny's still here and getting better and better. But Bungie as a company has been growing and prospering. I mean, they've been doing incredible. One of the best, uh, I mean, I don't even work at the company and I was so freaking excited and so happy when I heard that they were going independent. That was one of the most exciting pieces of news that I have heard uh, probably ever in gaming for me because it felt to me like Bungie is finally being unshackled and they as a company can do whatever it is that they want because it is their God-given right. And seeing the change in the game, you know, you see it in the game, how, how vastly different things are from before uh, they were independent. We have... No, I was saying that uh, there's a lot more listening happening, I feel. There's a lot more communication happening. We actually... We're, we're, every season, it feels like they have been listening. And they, obviously, they always have been, but we get to see that faster, I guess. We don't get to see that a year or two from now, like it used to be. We get to see that every season, and it's incredible. Sorry, go ahead. You were saying? So what's what's next for you all in your destiny journey? You all are doing some really great things. Uh, Mercules, do you want to kick things off? What's next for you? Uh, I mean, I think it's probably hopefully more of the same, but just a little bit better. I want to keep doing the Massive Breakdown podcast, obviously, and I keep doing the Firing Range podcast. Uh, between that and got a Star Wars podcast as well, I'm pretty much running out of time uh, oh, for man. podcasts at this point. But, How uh, do you yeah, have time? Dude, I, I legitimately just don't. I sleep like three hours a night. I go to bed at like 3 a.m. Ah, five hours a night. I go to bed at like 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. and wake up at like 7. So, yeah, that's that's the secret. Uh, it's just never sleep. Um, but, you know, I'm going to I'm just going to keep playing. Um, I'm trying to uh, trying to enjoy trials this weekend. Now that there's finally matchmaking and they made some other changes that make it seem like it's going to be a lot more appealing to uh, average players. Um, so I'm kind of just going to keep doing what I'm doing and hope stuff keeps going well. And 
I'd love to maybe one day get the opportunity to work with Bungie again, but uh, we'll we'll see, I guess. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And what about you, Vet? What's next for you in your destiny journey? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. The sky <laughs> is the limit, my friend. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. I have not even gotten close to my to my prime, not my peak, but my prime. Uh, if you think that I am big now, just wait until uh, I finally get my hands on a good internet service where I can actually stream. That's the goal, is to take over the Twitch directory for Destiny. And without, without a shadow of a doubt, I know that uh, it's going to be the biggest Destiny channel alive. So, and thankfully we don't have any other streamers here because uh, I know that it would get really heated. So I tell them straight up that I'm, that, uh, that I'm taking over. Something you can do about it. Yeah, uh, I, I, I kind of planned it that way. I didn't want to put you in with a bunch of big streamers because that would just, you know, create a friction. I wouldn't want that. Yeah, I didn't want them to feel uh, inferior um, or anything like that. I'm a humble guy, you know, I don't like telling people that I'm better than them. Uh, even though that. objectively, uh, you know, I do uh, outperform. But my goals are, are pretty simple. Uh, I would like to... To expand uh, myself, I would like to entertain people on, on Twitch or YouTube or whichever comes to me as more appealing. Uh, I would like to continue to create more content on YouTube. Um, and it is all a matter of, uh, of waiting. And hopefully I get the opportunity to uh, expand and show people that... Uh, that I have some some great ideas and I can entertain entertain people much beyond that single platform that I'm on at the moment. Um, that. Truthfully, Twitter is not my final form. It's not where I want to be. Uh, it's not it's where. Not your final shape. It's <laughs> not my. Fi- it's not my. It's uh, it's not my final shape. It's uh, I like that. No, um, and I'm really excited for uh, the content and then the entertaining that that I hope that I can uh, provide to people. Um, later down the road. Awesome. Well, we're excited to see where you go. I know the sky's the limit, and there's a lot of awesome things that you're doing in the community, and uh, we're excited about the future there. And Protheon, I know you've grown incredibly since we last had you on the show. The success that you've had is just inspiring. You've been working with the amazing team over at Destiny Tracker. Uh, so that's really exciting. So what's what's next for you in your journey? Yeah, so a lot more of that. Um, I've been part of Destiny Tracker's social media team for six months now. Um, it's hard to believe, actually. It's been six months already. Um I'll be doing a lot of that, you know, covering news. Uh, it's harder than people think. I know people like to meme on the account sometimes. Uh, and that's fine. You know, I get it. But it's uh, a lot of people use that account for, you know, information. And um, it's 
it's great to use that platform to give away that information and help everyone else. Um, so I'm still going to be doing that for the future. Uh, covering all the news with the Witch Queen reveal was a, was really tough. A lot came out very quickly. Um, so I'll still be doing that. Still going to be playing Destiny. Um, probably going to be playing a lot more other games this fall and winter because I'm assuming it's going to be some dry period um, in Destiny. I'm also excited to try out games like Halo Infinite, Battlefield, uh, Forza. So I'll be experimenting with a lot of other games, but I'll also continue covering Destiny news on Destiny Tracker. Awesome. Well, we're, we're excited for that. And uh, thank you all for sharing your amazing journeys in the Destiny community. We do have a celebration tonight. We're going to be celebrating the seventh anniversary of Destiny, which is kind of an exciting time, kind of a big deal. We're going to go down memory lane to where it all began. And Bungie had put out a really cool uh, post earlier today about this and actually me and shadow price had a bit of a conversation about this earlier today before the show uh and bungie goes on to state the following unfortunately it looks like we've got a man down joseph staten chuckles on stage during e3 2013 jason jones bungie's founder sounds more nervous unknown to him to all of us really a technician below the stage inadvertently severed the connection to Jason's monitor. He stared at the crisp text on the display that simply read no signal. What our team did know, however, was that man down meant something had gone south with this demo. The crowd watched as Jason's character waved and walked forward a little. Moments later, the feed and the crowd was watching switched over to a pre-recorded video and the show carried on. Destiny's reveal to the world was an auspicious debut. And while over the last seven years, the ride hasn't always been smooth, to you or us, it has been memorable. And we endeavor to keep it that way. This is Destiny's seventh anniversary and that's how it began and we all have our own unique reasons for why we play destiny we all have our own unique stories for how we got started and where it all began but i want to go back to the beta or the alpha right we do have an alpha player here so what was your destiny beta or alpha experience like and uh mercules do you want to kick things off yeah, I uh, I had just gotten back from a trip, and it was a. Uh, this actually is a really good story. It sounds very bad for me, but it was actually my uh, fiance's birthday, and I played Destiny because it was the first day of the beta that I could play, and I spent a bunch of time playing Destiny and nearly sabotaged by now eight year long relationship, uh, before it even really started. <laughs> so oh, that's uh, that's my strongest memory of the beta is playing the beta because I was so excited about it when I really shouldn't have been playing the beta and I should have been paying attention. I think you did the right thing, man. Honestly, it's pretty selfish to have a birthday on the day of the beta. Like, what's That's your what problem? I told her. I was like, you could have yeah. chosen any other day to be born and you chose the day that Destiny has their beta. Yeah, like, what is that, man? It's just, I don't know. 
Well, I won't, uh, I won't touch on that. That's, you know, I'm sure you guys will figure it out and maybe, you know, choose a different birthday. You know, hopefully she doesn't interfere with her birthdays on the Witch Queen. So, but yeah, she, uh, she changed her birthday to a different day, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. Ah, good stuff, man. I didn't yeah. know you can do that. That's great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, Protheon, what about you? What was your Destiny beta moment like? Well, that was back when I was in high school when the beta came out. So I had a lot more time on my hands, and I didn't have to worry about anyone's birthday uh, going on or any jobs. So I, uh, I played... The beta, I think, almost every hour it was out. I know there was, like, a short period of time for an hour where, like, the moon was explorable. I I looked everywhere. on the, I explored the moon every little nook and cranny because I was just having so much fun in that game. Um, I completed the Sepik Strike, which was really hard to do in the beta because you're only, at, I think the cab was, like, level 8. Um that was my experience. I mean, nothing too special. I just played it a lot, uh, just like probably most of you guys. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's really cool. I remember for me, when I started playing Destiny, I remember, I don't know how we got invited to play the beta, but we, we did. And I think that was the first experience in the Crucible where I had just so much fun playing. And it was First Light. Uh, and then we played through all of the story missions on the Cosmodrome. And then I remember when they opened up the moon on Sunday and it was like a brief period of time where you can go and play on the moon. And like, like we got to go and experience that. And it was just so cool. And I just wanted to play more. Now, I didn't know at that time that the beta would essentially give us half the campaign. And I expected there to be a lot more campaign and story uh, in the final product, but it was so fun to play through that and then to experience the raid for the very first time and to experience seasonal events. I don't think we've ever really had that. Like we've played Clan Wars in Call of Duty, but it was never a seasonal event like the Queen's Wrath or Iron Banner. And I think that was really cool to play. Yeah, Queen's Wrath. Like what the. <laughs> That was uh that was a pretty cool event like that unfortunately never came back um cuz those like just going through and getting the loot and everything like that uh, it was just it was just a lot of fun like experiencing um just running through the world and listening to the music and you know that that's what was I remind that's what I remember about the beta just enjoying just playing it cuz it was all new you know, like it was, it was the first time us dipping our toes in that game and everything. And, you know, me coming from Halo and everything, you know, I was able to just, I don't know, I acclimated quite well, I would say, to it. Yeah, Halo Reach was such an awesome game. And what about you, Vet? How did your Destiny journey begin with the beta? What was your experience like? Not the beta, but the alpha. You were the OG OG. It was, uh, it was incredible, honestly. Uh, uh, much like you guys, played through the campaign, played what was available. But the one thing that always stuck with me, and I could never 
you know, for me playing Destiny, I'm always chasing this particular high. It is the immune knight going into that lost sector or that uh, the shipyard or not the shipyard, but that one that one area of the Cosmodrone where at the very bottom you have an immune knight and I remember everybody just going to it. It's just it it was the forbidden area and you and, and, and that was the one place that I wanted to be at when everything was said and done. I wanted to, to truly take that knight down. I wanted to get past him and explore um the rest of the the map um but to me it's that immune night that that feeling of man there's just so much more out there like this is like he's insanely powerful um the only other time that i felt like i got my immune night moment was probably during Forsaken when there were three hidden bosses, one in each mission in the Dreaming City, where there was a a kneeling knight that has just got a bunch of health. Uh, one of them's under a bridge, the other one's um, in the tower or the, the, the Dreaming City um, area. Uh, just... Enemies that they don't tell you about. That is just kind of like they're there. They're really tough. Uh, and in Shadowkeep, we kind of get that too. Um, I like those little secrets, those little things. And it's that immune nine moment. It wasn't. It wasn't the campaign. It wasn't the uh, anything else really. Uh, I, I loved the, everything about Destiny already, but it was that moment where I was so interested with that immune knight and that area and what he was guarding. It felt like there was a challenge there, like it was challenging me. And that to me uh, was, I guess, to a player who's never played D1 or the beta, it's like, going into the whisper mission for the first time without knowing anything about it. That's what it felt like. Um, so, so it was, it was, it's a small thing, but it makes up a huge chunk of my memory of the, of the game and what uh, ultimately made me stick with this game for seven years. That's really awesome story. Thank you for sharing that. And for everyone here, what was your favorite expansion in Destiny? The Taken King. Taken King, okay. Mercules, what about you? Uh, I gotta say Forsaken for right now. Forsaken, okay. I like that. Yeah, for me, it's a tie between Taken King and Forsaken. I mean, Forsaken was... There was so much to do, and it it changed the game so much. Um, I, I would have to say Forsaken, but Taken King is a very, very close second. Interesting. See, I would say for me, it would be between either Forsaken or 
Rise of Iron. Because I think Rise of Iron, it was a very it was a very beefy expansion, and we got a lot of things in that expansion. All of the raids came back during the Age of Triumph, and I think the story was really cool. Like climbing up the mountaintop of the Iron Lord Tower, whatever that place was called. That was so, so cool. And I also think the raid that we got during that expansion was probably one of the best raids that we've had. And I'm, I'm excited for that raid to come back. And I'm sure more, more people are excited for Wrath of the Machine when, when that does eventually come back into the game. Yeah, so, Wrath of the Machine definitely had some good moments in it. Do you all have any memorable destiny moments that stick out to you all? Um, I I like the Taken King, like I said, because I think the I like to really like the Dreadnought. Like it's funny because I didn't like the Dreadnought at first. And it's like, wow, wow, you didn't like the Dreadnought? Like I just felt like the aesthetic was like very plain and things like that. But it, it like grew on me. Like it really did. Like especially once I played King's Fall Raid and things like that. And you know, you when you had to go and get all the fragments to get um, Touch of Malice and everything, you know, and I just, I really enjoyed the Dreadnought location. Um, it just, it had a lot of mystery to it and things like that. I think that that's what's going to be like in the Witch Queen. Like, it's going to give you that Dreadnought feeling, but, you know, even, even more. I just want to say that. Sorry, I think Rocky's getting excited about Destiny. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, dude, I, I agree. I think the Dreadnought was a really cool location. A lot of mysteries, a lot of really cool things. Plus the Court of Oryx, I think, was very well done. And it was Court like of Oryx, like out, there was like a battlefield, like right when you entered, like between the Cabal and the Hive and everything, you know, where the Cabal like crashed their ship into the... Yeah, Dreadnought I remember that. Like I remember that. that. Yeah. Yeah. And there was like the ruins and things like that where you had to get the yeah, the the different runes, you know, to unlock each of those uh some of the secrets and things like that in there. Yeah, it was it was really cool. I will say for me, having had a chance to experience the uh the location that we've been playing on this past week, uh with uh, Dreaming City. I think that it was extremely underutilized and it's one of the coolest looking locations in the game. So I'm excited to see how that destination gets flushed out in the game. Because I always thought there was like really untapped potential with the Dreaming City. And that's yeah, part like, of Forsaken, right? Yeah, it was part of Forsaken. It's like yeah. something out of Lord of the Rings. Like, you know, that's, that's how I look at Dreaming City a lot of times. So, do you all have a favorite exotic weapon in Destiny? It's the Monarch for me right now. I mean, it changes, you know, as my playstyle changes. I loved Bastion a lot. I really enjoyed Symmetry for a good bit of time, but right now my favorite is definitely the Monarch. I haven't really used the Monarch uh, too much. I, I may have to experiment with it, and especially with the buffs that we have with 
uh, bows this season. I think that will be really interesting to see how that all plays with that exotic. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to actually use the 1K. And I've been using that a lot this season. That's been really uh, a fun weapon to use. Uh, so I'm definitely happy to see it come back to life uh, and become a useful weapon in the game. But I think for me, my favorite weapons, I have two. Gallarhorn and Icebreaker are my two favorite weapons in Destiny. And I want both weapons to come back. And one of them is coming back. So that's so cool. Yeah. And since Galhorn's coming back, it's only a matter of time before Icebreaker comes back, Joe. <laughs> like, I feel like Galhorn was the one, that was the one that they were the most, like, man, should we bring this back? I don't know. You know, it's like, <laughs> we know what this weapon holds. We know the legacy. We know, but we also know the pain and the anguish <laughs> that it holds as well. But it's just, it's it's too iconic. It's too legendary, you know, too exotic. It's to not bring back it's yeah you know my best. my only concern about Gallarhorn is the fact that they're bringing it back in december and the possibility of bungie nerfing the gun come the witch queen like are they bringing it back to make it viable for two three months or is it more of a it's coming back for at least a year and i hope that it's going to be a viable option for at least a year they took the time to tune it from the sounds of what they're, you know, saying. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. And Protheon, do you have a favorite exotic weapon in Destiny? You know, it's always changing. Um, for the longest time, it was bad juju. And when it returned to Destiny 2, I had a lot of fun with it. But I don't know, it was just kind of uh, fell to the side for me. Thousand Voices is up there. Um, Anarchy is up there. But I, I've been having a lot of fun with Thorn recently. Um, Thorn with necrotic grips um, for Warlock is a really fun combo, and it's really strong in PvE. I actually think it's kind of undervalued, underappreciated in PvE. It's really strong, so I've been having fun with that. That's, that's cool. Hey, you I can like use those, threaded uh, needle. Combos. Like you can use threaded yeah. needle when you like use Thorn. You know, another high damage DPS, like if you got the right roll on it. Weapon. Right. Yeah. What What about you, Vet? What's What's your go to or your favorite exotic weapon in Destiny? Well, from D one, I would have to say it was a Vex Mythoclast in PvP <laughs> before the nerf. Um, of course. Um. Gallahorn for all purposes, PVE and Icebreaker. Uh, those are my my top. Um, Thorn is always going to be there. Thorn will, will always be a go-to exotic hand cannon. I, I cannot get enough of it. I think it's incredible. I love that they are always coming out with new ornaments for it in D2. I always buy every single one of them. Um... You know, I hope my neighbor doesn't mind me using his credit card, but the deed has to be done. I must have those ornaments. But in D2, my favorite, uh, my go-to exotics has always been, and I'm glad that it's coming back into the meta, is uh, 1K. And 
I love the 1K so much that I still used it even when uh, that bug was going around that when you used it, an actual thousand voices would scream in your freaking ear. Uh, if you remember that. I do remember that. Yeah, that was, that was, that was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I still used it. I was hoping to God that I would never... <laughs> that it would never uh, bug out and destroy my eardrums, but... Um, but I used it. It was great. Um, for sure, I have seriously enjoyed uh, Eyes of Tomorrow for Gambit invading. Um, you know, I know I can go out there and get those kills in Gambit, uh, but why? Why work for it? You know, when you can just sit there and do nothing and get an army of one with a single rocket. So that's, that's been my, my go-to and Thorn, of course, still my go-to exotic hand cannon and D2. Well, thank you for being so thorough and for sharing that. I really appreciate that. For sure. A slightly different topic. What is your favorite destiny community moment? And I'm sure, Mercules, you probably have quite a few. Uh, what would be the one that sticks out to you from your journey in the Destiny community, being at Bungie, and being a part of this game and, and this whole experience? Um, when I was at Bungie, it was people discovering Whisper, and nobody knew that that was coming. Um, like It was completely a secret. And the day it released... Uh, all of us at the studio were like constantly refreshing the new queue on Reddit, just like waiting. And the second that first post came up, that was like, hey guys, there's something really weird on IO. Uh, within like the first 30 seconds, it probably had, you know, 20, 25 upvotes. <laughs> it was from all of us at Bungie, <laughs> like, like reading Reddit and watching it come up and then watching everybody play through it on stream and figure it out and then getting the reward. That was really, really something special. That's so awesome. And I think it's so, so freaking cool that you helped bring that mission to life because I think to this day, the Whisper mission is probably my favorite mission in the game. I remember that whole experience. Like it was yesterday. Nobody knew what was going on. It was like, three o'clock in the afternoon and everybody was just like talking about this mysterious mission that's popping up. Nobody knew what was happening, but I think it was the coolest thing. And not only that, but I think that the reward at the end really justified that grind to really get that weapon. But then not only that, you also had a reason to keep playing it because you had to masterwork that sucker, right? So you had to keep playing that mission and it was not an easy mission. Lots of jumping, lots of, Guardian Downs, right, Shadow Price? So like, to, to know that you were a part of that is such an awesome experience. So thank you for being a part of that team and for bringing that mission to life because that's one of my memorable moments in this community. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't take credit for it other than just playing through it and giving feedback. But uh, there were, a, you know, it was actually a relatively small team. It was uh, Buddy Vince and uh, the art lead was Rob. And I think there was one more artist and like they they were basically given this like edict like, yeah, see if you can throw something together um, because it was something that hadn't been done before. 
And so they had a really, really small team that put that together, actually. And seeing how well it turned out, like the music in the green room still is just, I think, some of the strongest music in, in all of Destiny. It's so incredibly unique. So seeing how well it turned out with such a small team, I mean, the only credit I can take for it is just that I played it before release, but Vince and Rob and uh, the music team and the sound team and the other testers really are the ones who uh, who did the real work for that. And had a Stranger Things like kind of like yep. motif to it. That's a hundred percent. Yeah, the I've been getting that so much, especially in the um, what is that mission that we've been playing? Uh, the Presage? No. Yeah. yeah, that's the one on the hive yeah, ship and everything. Like there. Yeah. And I could swear that they got that from stranger things definitely definitely in the whisper mission like yeah like you said in that green room in the room where you got to jump up on those uh you know the, those thin platforms or something yeah i think uh the when that music just changes you can hear it and it's like oh that's got a familiar tone to it <laughs> yeah and and uh also the the new dungeon reminds me of elements oh, of the prophecy dungeon right? prophecy dungeon yeah yeah like when you have to shoot those orbs and then well that's like a whole synth neo-pop kind of thing like whole 80s aesthetic in there pretty much right <laughs> that's kind of like what they're going for the environmental team at bungie is uh really talented i mean look at the or override or not override what's the place called the vex Expunge, expunge, expunge missions where those took yeah. place. Yeah, uh, really cool environments. Presage, really cool environment. Uh, even the Shattered Realm is. Uh, you could, they took a step up from the uh, Ascendant challenges back in Forsaken with the Shattered Realm. The, these locations are amazing. It's it's crazy. I haven't played the new one yet this week, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I get it time. Yeah, I I can't wait to dive back into it. Just talking about it makes me want to go and play. And uh, so I'm curious. Destiny 1 versus Destiny 2. Which is a better game for you and why? I'll, uh, I'll answer this one. Simply put, Destiny 2. And, and this is me objectively speaking. Because no matter what your opinion is of what your experience has been, Destiny 2 is the ever-evolving Destiny experience. Destiny 1 is always going to be in a, uh, in a time capsule. It's, it's always going to be there. The, the memory is always going to be there. It is, it is just frozen in time. And and Destiny One it just stays there in 2017, but Destiny Two continues and it continues to grow. And the experience of being a guardian in Destiny continues to evolve. And I think Destiny Two has surpassed everything that Destiny One was. Uh, there are certain things that Destiny 2 could never replicate from Destiny 1, and I think that's okay. I feel like it's like the Godfather 
part one and part two. Have you ever seen that movie? One of the greatest movies of all time. Never heard of it. I'm sure. I'm, well, I'm offended. <laughs> but it is one of the greatest movies of all time. It was made in the 70s. And very, very small amount of movies have ever nailed a sequel. Every sequel, you know, a sequel will usually suck. Not The Godfather. The Godfather Part 1 uh, was good, but Part 2 was even better. And I think Destiny 2, uh, it is The Godfather Part 2 to Destiny 1, in my opinion. It's, uh, I'll be honest, I, I kind of I hate this D1 versus D2 question um destiny has changed so much every single year um if you look at any expansion compared to the one before it the game changed so much um every year leveling changed from vanilla destiny to taken king uh how gear works and guns changed a lot from taken king to rise of iron uh destiny 2 base game completely different game than what it is now different game from forsaken forsaken was completely different from beyond light i kind of look at destiny as every year because of how different the game changes um so the d1 versus d2 question i i guess i'll agree with vet i think d2 is the better game just because it's it's more polished in a lot of different aspects but i also think it's kind of hard to compare the two because if you were to look at d2 around the age of launch i i would say that destiny one was a better game than destiny two overall but seeing where it's gotten to uh this year even the past two years i would say destiny two is the overall better game that's really well said and what what would you say uh about this mercules um yeah, I mean, I think at this point, Destiny 2 is probably the stronger game. There's still some stuff in Destiny 1 that I wish we would go back to. Like, there were certain loot systems we had, particularly Iron Banner, that were that was better in Destiny 1. I think the uh, the end game in Age of Triumph with the all the different raids being active and the different raid rewards, I think that was stronger. But other than that, I think Destiny 2 is better in pretty much every facet at this point in time. I mean, it's had longer to iterate. Um but story-wise, is probably the biggest, the biggest change for me. Like the in-game narrative and the in-game story, uh, it, it cannot be overstated how important that is to keep players excited to log in week to week and caring about the overarching state of the game, even when they're not not necessarily a lot to do uh, towards the tail end of the season. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right about that. I think um, you know, Destiny Two, in the form that it's in today. It's definitely a much stronger game than what Destiny 1 was. But I do have elements of Destiny 1 that I think I really want for them to bring back. But it seems like Bungie is going in that direction, right? They're bringing raids back into the game. They're bringing back the best parts of Destiny 1 into the game now. It's just taking time, right? And it might take another six months to a year for us to really get a more flushed out Destiny 2 
but I think there's something very special about the game today that we have with Destiny 2. And even the whole idea of seasons, I think it's kind of starting to grow on me a little bit more because the whole concept of having something to come back to each week to play from a story narrative perspective, I think it's really cool. And I also like how the environment changes with the story and the events that are taking place in the game. And that does add a whole fun element to the game as well. Although I will say it does add pressure to complete seasonal activities each and every week, or else I feel like I'm falling behind and I feel overwhelmed because I feel like I have then two, three missions to do because I'm two weeks behind, if that makes sense. But you know, what's good about that is you have a full like six months yeah, full six months. Complete. Yeah, we have a pretty long season. So even if you do have to like, you know, do like a, you know, binge marathon of playing, you know, those missions, you know, you can turn it into a full game session. And l- let me let me say something about the whole six months, uh, because we hear this pretty often that it's a long season. It's a six month season. But I do think we're going to get some surprises come the 30th anniversary that have not been talked about by Bungie. So I think there's going to be more than what the season brings between now and December, because I think it's going to feel a little bit more substantial in December when that new piece of content drops. It's not just going to be one dungeon. I think it's going to be more, and there will be some fun story elements that might come into play that might even explain things that we'll be experiencing in the Witch Queen. And um, I'm curious to also know, um, what does Destiny mean to you? And why do you all play Destiny? I was going to say, uh, for me, it's, it's always been about uh, experiences, uh, moments. Uh, you've had... Uh, Bungie people in the past say this, but they love to create. Uh, you had to be their moments. And I think, for me, that's what Destiny's all about. It's, it's about those moments that really make you feel like, wow, I love playing this game. Like, wow, I'm glad that I was here for it. Um, and uh, for me, that's, that's, always, uh, that's every season. Every season has a little bit of something like that. That one moment. Uh, that makes you really appreciate uh, the game and, and the developers and the passion they put into this game. Um, for me, that's what Destiny's all about. It's just those experiences uh, and those moments that you could talk about. I mean, I mean, that's what this episode's about. It's, uh, you know, this podcast is uh, the seven-year anniversary of of Destiny. We have seven years of uh, of memories and. That's what we've been talking about for for a while now, is is our experiences that we we can't get back, and that nobody else will be able to to get that either. So, you know, the 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 further away we get from the from the original times, uh, you know, the more of these become like legends, you know. <laughs> so. A lot of incredible stories that each person can tell 
uh, about destiny in each era. So I think that's what destiny means to me. That's really awesome. And uh, thanks for sharing that. And, and Protheon, what about you? What does destiny mean to you and why do you play destiny? Kind of a simple answer, but games is fun. I don't know. <laughs> Game is uh, fun to play. I've met a lot of awesome people here. Um, I mean, look at you guys. I've, I've met all you. Um, I've met people who I'm, I'll call friends for the rest of my life. Bungie does a great job of uh, making these communities and these connections, and I guess that's what keeps me coming back. It's the game and uh, the people who play it. Well said. And what about you, Mark? Um, and I play for pretty much the same reasons. It's just a, it's a good game. It's really fun to play, right? Like even everything else aside, even if I had no one else to play with and I wasn't a part of the community, I still just enjoy playing the game. And secondarily, the community is, for the most part, really, really great. Um, you know, Reddit is Reddit, and sometimes it's a little salty, but I enjoy Reddit, and I enjoy Destiny, some parts of Destiny Twitter, <laughs> and uh, I enjoy the podcast community, and, like, I enjoy all the the people that I get to connect with uh, through playing this game. And I have a bunch of friends who play it now, and I started out the person who didn't have any friends playing the game, and I played by myself, and now... You know, I've got a friends list with at any given time, you know, 100 people online and always someone to play with and always someone looking to help finish an activity or get something done. It's just it's great, man. It's a fun game with a fun community and you can't ask for much more than that. Yeah, and and I, I think for me, it's a game that has the most immersive story. It has a world that I can just get lost in. And I really like games that have space elements to it. So that very much makes Destiny the perfect universe to want to be a part of. But also like from playing through the very first strike with like green weapons. And we've talked about this in the past. Me and Shadow Price have experienced that. And to think where we are today, like it's so cool to have went on this journey where we have all of these awesome people that we've met, all of these friendships that we've made, but also these memories and these experiences that we'll never be able to get back, like farming the loot cave in the Cosmodrome, you know, or like farming for uh, the uh, Nightfall weapon during the Omnigal strike, and then to finally get it with the God roll, a grasp of Malik. Those are memories that I, I think are very special or like going flawless for the first time. Like these are all moments that make destiny worth playing and make the experience so cool, but not even that, but also the marketing that they put behind the game. Like it's so exciting to enjoy destiny on the eve before the game is released and to listen to the soundtrack and to experience everything that the creative team at Bungie has to bring. And I think that makes it really special and unique beyond what any other game has been able to offer to me. Yeah, it's basically what all you guys said, you know, it's it's the community, it's the people, you know, it's the most social game like I've ever played. You know, it's just be able to go in, play with your buds and, you know, experience pretty cool, like, 
you know, stories and things like that, you know, not just the story in the game, but the story, you know, you make as you play, you know, like you said, like Destiny 1 is in a time capsule right now. You know, it's like we have all those memories. We have the memories when we went in the vault for the first time. We have the memories when we played the Fogoff Strife with green weapons and spent two hours in there and everything. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all that, you know, it's like, and who knows if Bungie, this is how they drew it up, you know? This is kind of like how it, it's become, you know. So that's how I, that's what I got to say. All right. Awesome. So we have one more segment to go before we wrap things up for the evening. We have the Bungie Weekly Update and Shadow Price. Do you want to share the, the information that we have about Iron Banner, not Iron Banner, Trials of Osiris in this week's TWAB? Sure, yeah, I'll try to be brief. Um, this shouldn't be too big of a twab here. Um, so this week at Bungie, uh, they go on to say, uh, DMG says, uh, we revamped Trials of Osiris. So it's been seven years of destiny, seven years of space magic, seven years of friendships we made along the way. It's still hard to comprehend how much time has passed and how much has happened since we took our first steps as Guardians. Want to take a trip down memory lane? We whipped up a short and sweet article to talk about early inspirations for the Destiny universe and a fun story from the Destiny 1 reveal. We talked about that briefly earlier, and it's in here in uh, the TWAB if uh, people want to check it out. So they goes on to say, thank you. No, really, without you, none of this would have been possible. We've come so far, and we've had so far to go. We've just set off on a fresh journey to discover more about Sabathun, the Awoken, and more. Who knows what the future holds? Well, if you watched our review of the Witch Queen, you know a little. So he goes on to the break down the next segment, the Trials of Osiris Returns. So turning tuning to the line, turning to the live game, tomorrow marks the return of Trials of Osiris. They've already discussed upcoming changes that they'd like to have a quick refresher on before the main event. Trials goes live tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific time on September 10th. And if you read in the TWAB, right as soon as it's published, that's tomorrow. And for those who have never played Trials before, it's their endgame offering for PvP featuring high-stakes elimination matches leading to loot, high-stat armor, exclusive weapons, and some cosmetics for those who can finish seven games in a row without losing. If you are able to go flawless, adept rewards await you at the Lighthouse. They've made some changes to the formula in hopes of making Trials more accessible to a wider audience and more rewarding than it's ever been. So here we go into the Trials of Osiris. The revamp begins. So they go on to say, the short and sweet summary, we've overhauled the loot structure of Trials to grant more rewards even if, you've not win even if you're not winning full matches. Trials Reputation has been added, which will uh, unlock Trials on Grams and other rewards on Saint-14 through a given season. They've, we have a few rule-set changes, such as resetting ammo and reducing rounds to 90 seconds, but then nothing too major there. And in a few weeks, they'll be introducing Trials Labs, testing out deeper changes to the mode to see what plays best. And as a final note, Trials Access now requires purchase of the current yearly expansion to aid in their endgame security efforts. And to check here if you haven't seen the updates to their security policy. So this season, Trials began, brings a new legendary linear fusion rifle to the loot table of Destiny, including introducing Reed's Regret, packing some stasis damage, and the ability to roll some fun perk combinations like Triple Tap and Vorpal Weapon. Paired with Particle Deconstruction Artifact Mod, this is a weapon that you won't want to miss. That's a very, very nice-looking weapon that they have pictured there. 
Um, so next uh, thing they go on to say, Saint-14 has refreshed his vendor inventory, giving Guardians the ability to target additional roles on the loot that they've previously acquired. This can be comparable to focus on engrams of the Umbral Decoder in the Helm. So get out there, earn some engrams, and have at it. Here are some patch notes as follows. First one, Trial's reputation internal systems has been rebuilt, aligning with that of other ritual reputations. Reputation gain per match is scaled by the number of round wins on a ticket. Trial's passages are now account scoped. Purchasing the same ticket on an alternate character will not reset ticket wins. Passage of Ferocity is now available from the start. Also, Passage of Wisdom is no longer available. Passes of wealth, passage of Wealth now requires seven wins. Unlocking a Passage now unlocks it for the rest of the season. Replace the weekly three, five, seven win challenges with a wins round challenge. A new seven win challenge is available on save 14. They removed the weekly bounties and they've made changes to rule sets. Trials of Osiris round time is reduced to 90 seconds. Also trials of Osiris each round starts with fresh special ammo. Crossplay must be enabled to participate in trials of Osiris. They've added a third-person camera, restricted tooltip, and load screen hint to Trials, Elimination, and Showdown. Trials of Osiris now requires purchase of the current yearly expansion. Currently, Beyond Light is required to play. And then starting on February 22nd, 2022, the Witch Queen will be required. So they're going to say good luck to all on the hunt for loot. Good luck to all on the march towards the lighthouse. Good luck to all who are just showing up to help a friend out. And who knows, maybe you'll fall in love with the Elimination mode like many have in the past. See you on the battlefield. Uh, does anybody have any thoughts before we move on to the next segment? I think I think it's about time that they made Trials not a free activity because I think that's one of the problems that plagued Trials. It was an endgame activity that I think was too easy to abuse as a free-to-play, so yeah. I think that's good. Yeah, it, it did uh, introduce the cheater, the cheaters, for sure. Because I mean, it was low, low risk for them. You know, it's like it didn't cost them. You know, because trials was free. You know, up until this point. So, you know, it's just like if they got banned or whatever, they just create a new account or something. You know, it's just. <laughs> but now you have to actually, if you get banned, you have to purchase the, this the content again. So. I'm sure that's going to detect, uh, detract cheaters. Also, the next thing we talk about here as well in a second. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited yeah. for um, players of all types of skills um, to try Trials because I've heard people who don't play Trials and they're not the best players say that they're going to try it out. And that, that gives me a lot of hope because Trials is a fun game mode. Um, when it's played correctly. So I'm I'm hoping that these changes to the reward structure, um, how wins are accounted for, I hope it gets more people involved in the game mode because I think Trials is ultimately one of the best PvP experiences they've made. Um, so I'm, I'm very hopeful for these changes and I'm excited to try them out. Yeah, definitely. Same here. Um, so the next thing they talk about is the Battle Eye Soft launch update. Uh, they say, at the start of the season of the loss, we announced the soft launch of Battle Eye Anti-Cheat in Destiny 2. 
Throughout the soft launch, we've been iterating and improving our ability to detect various cheats that have negative impacts to competitive experience within the Crucible, as well as other cheats used to get a leg up in PvE activities. While we're still in deep into our soft launch window, we wanted to share a short progress update with you. We've been able to detect and remove numerous players attempted to circumvent our cheat detections while building upon fresh foundation that BattleEye has provided us. And that while we don't have any specific numbers to share, we did want to note that our soft launch is going well. Well enough, in fact, that we're going to begin rolling out automatic bans for a variety of cheats, just in time for the first Trials of Osiris weekend. While we're excited for this development, there's no silver bullet in the ongoing efforts against cheating. The team will remain vigilant, continue to improve our detections and investigative reports. And I got to say, if you encounter any potential cheater in Destiny 2, please use the in-game report tools on their contact form on Bungie.net. Any additional information that you can provide is always greatly appreciated by other teams. And if you'd like to learn more about the integration of BattleEye anti-cheat software, feel free to check out their support article listed here. So that's what they had to say about the BattleEye. Have you guys... Uh, enjoyed having battle eye having an anti-cheat you know even you know even though it is a, a soft launch it's still basically uh in the beta form um how do you guys feel about battle eye as right now well personally um i feel like it was a mistake um the game felt a lot more challenging to me when i had to go up against cheaters uh, but I understand that not everyone is as skilled as I am in the game. Um, but so far, I haven't run across any cheaters uh, in PvP. Uh, in PvP, I did. Uh, so, uh, I I'm sorry, in, uh, in Gambit, I did. So, I'm not sure um, whether automatic bans were being handed out starting... Uh, this weekend, but I do know that there were still uh, a couple of cheaters, at least in Gambit. Uh, but I didn't experience any in, in Iron Banner. Overall, I think it's a good move. I uh, I think hopefully it's it's effective. I know it's not going to be the complete eradication of cheaters in the game, but um, hopefully trials is playable on pc um as a result of this hopefully we see the the hopefully we feel the difference i uh i primarily play on xbox so i haven't really experienced any cheaters there's like one time where i was like is this guy cheating but i mean it's kind of hard to do that on consoles compared to pc but i'm still happy about this system um a lot of, i know a lot of my PC friends struggle with cheaters. So I think an anti-cheat is something people have been wanting for a long time, and now we have one. So very fortunate. Yes, I agree with both those statements. You guys all play on PC, right? I play yep. both. I play, I mean, I play all three places, but mainly PS5 and PC, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I think this is great. I think this is making the Crucible feel much more balanced. I am no PvP god like Alpha Vet here. Um, so 
uh, you know, for me, this is great because it makes a scrub like me have a chance, a fighting chance. And I'm grateful for that. Hey, so the next segment uh, is the uh, Patchy the Pirate. Um, it's a list of uh, hot fixes that are coming to the game. Um, we have an incoming hotfix 3.3.0.2 that's coming on Thursday, September 16th. A Destiny 2 is scheduled to undergo maintenance in preparation for this hotfix, and below is a timeline of events. Please note that the times may be subject to change during this maintenance period. So at 9 a.m. Pacific time on September 16th, maintenance will begin. 9.45 players will be moved through the activities, and Destiny 2 will be brought offline. And then at 10 a.m., Destiny Hotfix 3.3.0.2 will be available across all platforms and regions. Players will be able to log back into Destiny. And then at 11 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Destiny 2 maintenance is expected to conclude. Uh, they go on to say, below are some issues that are expected to be resolved. A complete list will be shared when the Hotfix goes live. Uh, just the f There's only a few here. The, they go on to say that the barriers around the Scorch Cannons and the Fallen Walker public event will no longer repel players. Players will no longer get stuck in the Broodhold Strike or Wolf Ship Turbine Lost Sector. The Warlock's Nova Warp will blink if Hold Sprint is active. Strike Streaks will no longer be broken. The Danger Zone perk correctly grants more blast radius on rocket launchers. The Sweet Spotter Triumph now correctly progresses when killing Vex Wyverns with precision damage. And finally, the Dawn Chorus Exotic Warlock Helmet correctly extends burn damage on enemies. So for more information, players should visit their Destiny server and update status help article. So after that, hot on the heels of 3.3.02 is 3.303. So on Thursday, September 23rd, so there's going to be extended downtime for Destiny 2. That's going to prepare for hotfix 3.3.03. Players will be removed from activities at 5 a.m. and unable to log on until 10 a.m. Uh, please note that these times may be subject to change during the maintenance period. And there's some more known issues, and uh, they can be read here on the uh, the TWAB this week. Uh, we've come down to the movies of the week. Uh, the winners this week is uh, Naya. Um, and uh, it looks uh, like they're st uh, staying on the Dreaming City. And not sure exactly what it is. I hadn't had a chance to look at it, but pretty cool. And then uh, our runner, we have more. Winners, uh, next one is I Need a Cleanse. Looks like a parody music video. Um, and also Explosive Payload on a Sniper. So congratulations to the winners. And very cool. So check that out at your convenience. Next is the Artists of the Week. And we have a first uh, submission is the Witch Queen um from Naka de Slaka. Looks pretty cool. Very cool art. Uh we have the next one up is a really cool looking hunter. It looks like a fallen shank in the background. So it looks like it's on the uh fallen saber strike. So congrats to the winners for their art being submitted here. And there's a DMG wants to end this on a personal note. He said, this will be my last TWAB for a while. In just a few days, I'll be tying the knot, so to speak. A wonderful Titan entered his life a few years ago. Last year, they asked me a question I will never forget. And after so many months of planning and preparation, we've nearly reached their wedding date. 
It's been a long time coming, but thankfully the countless releases, season patches, and hotfixes have kept them busy. And to say he's excited would be an understatement. And after the ceremony, we'll be take, they'll be taking some time off to relax and slay some raid bosses, and maybe even a trials card or two. But don't worry, Cosmo will be at the helm for all things community, and DPS will be on the tap to assist every guard in, technical, in need of technical assistance. Keep things lively or for them, will you? So he goes on to say that, thanks for being an awesome community. I'd be lying if I'd said I wouldn't miss you. It's going to be hard not to check in from time to time. In any case, I'll see you again in October, just in time for a festival loss. And that was the TWAB from DMG. And congratulations to Mr. DMG. Yeah, um, congrats to Dylan on tying the knot. And um, that was um, yeah, cool little update. Um, we do have a tradition on the show where we rate the weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls between one and five. And I'm curious, how would you all rate the Bungie weekly update? Uh, Protheon, do you want to kick things off? How would you rate the Bungie weekly update from one to five spicy Giving it a tuna rolls? Three and a half out of five. Because although there wasn't that much information, it was good information. And actually, never mind. I'm going to change it to four because DMG is getting married and I'm happy for him. That's, that's great. So four out of five. Not too shabby. I'm going to rate it a five. Uh, anyone's happiness is always worth celebrating. So how would you rate this week's Bungie Weekly Update, my friend? vet yeah uh well i know there wasn't much uh but considering that that's what's expected i would rate the weekly update i'd say uh i would say a two it's only a two because my girlfriend didn't win art of the week uh so so you know that's that's gonna be low um but it's a five because DMG's getting married. Uh, I think it's always a wonderful and beautiful thing and worth celebrating when someone's happy. So that's, that's, it's a five out of five to me. And Shadow Price, what would you give this week's I'd also say weekly a four. update? I, I think, you know, it was, it was short, but I like what uh, the changes for trials. I mean, we knew a lot about this. I mean, the kind of, you know, uh, went into detail more about some of it, about the passages, uh, um, things like that, you know, like how the rounds are going to, you know, how the re rewards will uh, be doled out and things like that. And yeah, DMG's getting married. So yeah, that's always a good time. And, you know, it's it's awesome. Congrats to him. Congrats to the couple. Um, so yeah, four. I think it was solid. Cool. And I would probably have to go with, I would say probably a 3.5 out of 5 spicy tuna rolls. I think there were some good things here. Um, not every update is going to be massive or filled with a ton of information, and that's fine. That's to be expected. Um, but I think the update was good. I think we had some really good information about what's to come in the uh future of trials and it was really great to see that dylan is 
taking a break to enjoy the fruits of his labor and to uh, enjoy his wedding vows. So that's really cool. So yeah, I would say 3.5 out of 5 spicy tuna rolls for Corn Holio for tonight. And Guardians, thank you so much for joining us tonight for another episode of the Destiny Show podcast. Before we wrap things up for the evening, we're going to learn where we can find our guests. And uh, Protheon, where can we learn more about you and what you do? You can follow me on Twitter. Twitter. I just said Twitter. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Protheon underscore because I couldn't get at Protheon. It was... uh, taken by a guy i think from russia and he hasn't tweeted anything since 2014 so um protheon underscore or you could also follow at destiny track on twitter where you could find updates related to destiny there awesome and what about you vet where can we learn more about you i was gonna i was gonna say uh we can also find you in the inverted spire man come on don't be <laughs> humble we all know we all know where you can find you too yeah i'm uh, sorry i didn't mention that <laughs> Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at D1 Alpha Veteran and on YouTube, D1 Alpha Veteran. Uh, you can also find me on Uber Eats at D1 Alpha Veteran and uh, not on Tinder anymore. Um, uh, but you can also find me on uh, Pinterest at D1 Alpha Veteran. Uh, I was on Tumblr at D1 Alpha Veteran. Um, that's, I think that's, I think that's about it. Um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't get, uh, my Yelp, my Yelp account. So, but that's okay. You guys aren't missing out on much. So you got your Uber Eats account. Uh, I'm curious, is it to buy or to deliver or how? Oh, oh, oh it's just to buy, just to buy. Just checking. But I figured, yeah, but I figured since it's one of my accounts, I figured, you know, I, I have to disclose that as a as a creator. You know, all of my accounts. Had, yeah. Well, thank you for joining us tonight, and thank you for being our guest. It was an honor to learn more about you and your journey in the Destiny community. And uh, we appreciate both of you for everything that you do in Destiny. And uh, over at Destiny Tracker... So, uh, Mercules, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's, it was such a pleasure, and um, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Where can our listeners learn more about you and uh, what you do? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, first off, thank you for having me. It's always a, a great time to talk with, uh, with other people in the Destiny community about the game. We all love very much, but uh, you guys can find me on Twitter, Mercules904, or you can find me on the Destiny Massive Breakdowns podcast, uh, or the Fire Ranch podcast. Fire Ranch podcast is up on DCP's channel. Uh, we're live recording every other Wednesday. Uh, massive breakdowns. We record Thursday. We don't do it live, but we try to release an episode every Friday morning. And then Beneath Twin Suns is our Star Wars podcast, and that comes out every other Monday morning. So, And Shadow Price, where can we learn more about you and what you do? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ShadowPrice79. Also here on the Destiny Show podcast. Thank you very much. Awesome. And you can find the Destiny Show podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, 
and every major podcast platform. You can find us on the web at destinyshow.com. You can find us on Twitter at The Destiny Show. And you can find us right here on Twitch at The Destiny Show every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And we are just getting started, Guardians. Next week on The Destiny Show, we welcome the awesome Paul Tassie on the show. We're going to learn much more about Paul Tassie and his destiny journey in both Destiny and as a journalist. And we're excited to dive into more Destiny information as we get closer to the 30th anniversary bundle. And I just want to say thank you all. Thank you for listening wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you for being a part of our journey. And uh, thank you for joining us. And thank you, Bungie, for creating Destiny. It's been an amazing seven years, and we're excited for the future. And Guardians, thank you so much for joining us again tonight on the Destiny Show podcast. And we'll see you all next week. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye. I admire you guys for putting up with me for three hours. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if if you don't win your first bet, BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.